Welcome once again to another episode of Stu Him Productions Presents. JM Solve the World. I am James. And I am Matt. And with us are some really special guests that James has known for a while now. A couple days. Yep. <laughs> a minute or two. <laughs> so, James, please. This is my good friend, professional wrestler, promoter, booker, Mr. Tony Reigns. Before I listen to the crowd go wild. And with him, Raina Rays. Nice to have you guys here. So. I gotta admit, yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I mean. This, this is our first sober podcast. First sober podcast, <laughs> first celebrity. Celebrity, yeah. <laughs> uh, first one that has stories that, A, we're not a part of, or right. B, we've, we've heard before. Uh, but Tony, you have talked about it uh, last night, mm -hmm. and you mentioned it this morning. D'Lo Brown. I mean, he was he was the guy in the nation. I mean, he he pumped it up before, of course, the Godfather was the Godfather um, when he was still Muf Mufasa. Um, it was the Godfather right, Mufasa right after, right after Papa Shango. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, I mean, we were hooked, line and sinker. Oh, yeah. Monday Night uh, was in front of the TV, yeah. and I loved it when WCW would do the replay. D trying, to, trying to bounce back and forth between the two yeah. stations. Like Commercial. Commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it when, they start, when WCW started doing the replay because I could watch the first hour of WCW and then flip over and watch all of Raw and then flip back, and you was right for the second hour of Nitro. Right. Yeah. But... Please give us some D'Lo Brown fucking stories. Okay, D'Lo Brown. Uh, one of one of my favorite stories is how he got the head bob. Okay, you know he gets that head is shaking, you know, rocking and rolling. Right. Um, it, it's funny because he actually got it from the movie Friday. <laughs> True story. Really. You got knocked the uh, fuck out. So now, <laughs> now the way the story goes, and and you got to hear him, hear him say it. You know, like he he. I know he's done some podcasts. And he he's talked about it. Um, it, it it's great because you know he watched it the night before. He's out. Shamrock's laying on the on the ground outside, and he just walks up to him and he says exactly that. You got knocked the fuck out, and. When they go back to, you know, through Gorilla, he says Vince McMahon's sitting there and he's gives him the finger like, you're in trouble. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, so he's like, man, I cussed on TV. I'm going to get fined. Oh, my God. Like, it's $10,000 fine. Vince is going to, uh. Vince says, well, you know that, uh, the head bob thing you did. Keep doing that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Get out of here before he changes his mind. Like, like you just see, you, you see this dude bigger than life. You know somebody that, I, you know, you know. I come on, I was a fan first before I even stepped in the ring. Yeah, right. You know, we we talked wrestling years ago. Oh, yeah. to, you know, during that Attitude Era, you know, and it's like looking at that going, and then hearing that story. 
Yeah. Yeah, back back when we were doing our shit out at the bar and we had no clue what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> now but we didn't hurt each other, so that was good. It's always a plus. Yep. Now I've heard a rumor that you trained or possibly trained, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I've got an ex-wife who tell me that or something. I don't know. I never listened to her. But uh, who did you train under? What what school did you go to? Um, well, I originally tried out with Harley Race. Um, I got a lot of respect there. Loved the WLW, everything that he did in Eldon. He was there for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ended up moving up outside of Kansas or outside of St. Louis somewhere. Mm-hmm. The, the Harley Race Academy is still running. Um, but I ended up moving from Missouri out to California, and I trained at the school of Hard Knocks with Jesse Hernandez. Okay. So. Yeah, I just hearing the, the, the Harley Race story, and I mean, I, I younger than James, uh, I wasn't as big as a, into wrestling when Harley was really wrestling. Mm-hmm. I remember him as King Harley race, right? That WWF, you know, King Harley race. And that, that was, that was how I knew Harley race. And it was just like at the time, ah, okay. You know, just ah, as an older guy, you know, I was more of a, Oh yeah. Let me do you something, brother. You have just hit the intergalactic hit list. Oh Yeah. <laughs> the cream always rises to the tops. The cream. <laughs> Had I known we were going to do this, I probably would have brought my Macho Man shirt. There you yeah. go. Um, yeah, I, I may or may not do a Macho Man impersonation. First time, I, first time I seen Harley Race, he was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. This would have been late seventies. Sounds about early right. Early eighties, something like that. It was up at the Shrine, and personality, he wasn't. He wouldn't, you know, he wasn't going to sit there and just bullshit with you, you know, you know, as a fan walking up to him. But he did give me his autograph, and he signed it. Harley Race, National Wrestling Alliance, world champion. Nice. So, but then I met him years later at the Shrine, not at a wrestling event, but he had become a Shriner. Okay. And was a member of the Boob and Adam Temple in Springfield. Nice. You know, I, I I definitely have a few Harley stories. Uh, you know, he he did pass away a few years ago. Um, but uh, <laughs> last time I seen him, I actually seen him in Vegas. He was there for CAC, and he was on one of those motorized scooters. Mm-hmm. And by God, if he didn't try to run me over with that son of a bitch. <laughs> like, God damn you, Harley. <laughs> His newest version of the knee drop, right? <laughs> I'm going to take your knee out. He, I seen him. They were doing a WLW show in Dollar. And it was at the old high school building. Mm-hmm. At the old, yeah. what, our when, high school gym. You know, when, when, it's middle school now. When I had uh, Rick Steiner come in. Yeah. And Harley, he comes walking out and he goes, anybody got a light? I'm like, I got one. And gave me my lighter and. He lit up and said, yeah, i got to hide this from the wife. I'm supposed to quit this shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, that little lady, I think uh, everybody was scared of her. Yeah. BJ was something else. She, 
she was ruthless. You know, when it comes to business, you mm-hmm. know, my my business partner here, Raina, like she's she's starting to get her niche when dealing with the boys in the locker room and, and yeah. stuff like that. This woman would just look at you. And you you knew you knew you messed up somewhere because she got quiet. Mm. <laughs> and you know, I've I seen I seen some big old boys, you know, stick their head down like mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm hoping you know, we get some more of that out of her, but We'll we'll see how that goes as we I, as we go along. I can see it happening. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it happening. She's already giving you that look. Yeah, I know. It happens a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the caveat off that, but slightly different. I mean, how many rock stars are afraid of Sharon Osbourne? Well, all of them. Yeah. That are smart. Yeah. <laughs> and and she's a tiny woman. I mean, fuck. She had Ozzy believing he had AIDS. To get him to quit fucking cheating on her back in the 90s. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Rumor. Rumor. Let me write this down. Yeah. Rumor (laughs) has it. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. uh, Sharon Armstrong told Ozzy he was HIV positive to get him to stop fucking around. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, did you have you ever done anything out in Hawaii? Or is there still a promotion in Hawaii? Uh. There, yeah, there is. Um, I know, I know, I know. Couple of couple of guys that go out there every now and then. Um, that's it. I'm I'm throwing myself under the bus here because whenever Rana and myself decide to go somewhere, usually first thing I do is get on my phone and I look. Is there any pro wrestling there? Yeah. Do I need to take my gear? Can I reach <laughs> out? Can I get in the ring with somebody? Can, you know, right, right. And you know, can I pay for this trip? Like she, she, she just looks at me like, "What are you doing on your phone?" Nothing. Like, <laughs> I'm looking at porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I mean, I, I, I. I got it. It's it's kayfabe and whatnot, but the show uh, Young Rock mm-hmm. and the way that he portrays his grandmother running the promotion in Hawaii, and I mean, yeah, the guy Let that me got, get my slapping gloves. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the guy that's playing Andre, and it's it's widely known that Andre was, I mean, he was a gentle giant unless he didn't like you, and you know it was. Going into what was it WrestleMania three, when Hogan Hogan. body slammed Mm -hmm. Andre, Mm -hmm. Hogan didn't even know whether Andre was going to put him over or not. Andre hadn't even decided until like they were in the ring. You know, I I look back at some of that stuff and I think, how could you move a man that size? Yeah, you know, I I consider myself a a tough, strong some bitch. Okay. But if back in the day, if this dude didn't want to be moved, he wasn't going to be moved, mm-hmm. right? Like, same thing. You know, it's a, it'd be like two two big old bricks just hitting yeah. each other. Right. You know, Hogan's no small guy, but... You take 500 pounds and stretch it out seven foot four inches and... Uh, like, you know, you... 
you got you got your you got your hands full. Mm-hmm. You know, Hogan's oh. always been kind of one of those guys. Like growing up, I was a Hulkamaniac. Oh, I ain't yeah. gonna lie. Come on, brother. You know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. You know, it, the the whole nine yards. But as I, you know, become a bigger fan, you know, or a smart mark, as as some people would say, and you start hearing some of the stories, like him and Savage, him and Elizabeth, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, maybe it ain't all these other wrestlers. Maybe it is actually Hulk Hogan that's screwing up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Right. You know. And it, just my my opinion, and it's like, okay, how much truth is there to what Hogan actually says? Right. Like, according to Jim Cornette, not very much. That's that's my point. You know, it, that now that guy, <laughs> you know, if you if you listen to 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 Cornette's podcast, you know, you can learn so much more about this business and how this business is ran mm-hmm. than. You know, I'm I'm constantly got him going on in my ear, right? Right. Because there's there's nuggets of truth and validation in how we run our company compared to how some of these other pop up companies are running, right? And you know, I feel like if I if we if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. We're on the right path. We're gonna we're gonna succeed. Where these other pop ups are just gonna run one two shows. Right. And be like, I can't do this. Yeah, because if all they're doing is putting on a spot show, quote unquote. Right. But we're, we're, everybody's just doing their high spots. That's going to get old after a while. You gotta, exactly. You got to tell a story. You got to bring them back. What more? <laughs> and th- and that's, that's the whole thing. Like, a lot of the wrestlers out there now, they know how to tell a story. But they don't know where to start. Right. They don't know where to end. And... You know, when you get when you start talking about the psychology of the business and, you know, you, you really look at, at things like that and you're like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was in a casino on a boat not too long ago with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and AEW was playing on a loop on this on this cruise. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a Jericho cruise. Right. Well, they did something on the, you know, in this match. And we, I'm like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? And I look up and Jake's just standing there shaking his head like, stupid fucking idiots. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, he, he smoked for you. Fucking idiots. Yeah. You know, you can just hear that graspily voice, you know, and you're like, whoa. Well, <clears throat> Kind of looks down at me like, that make any sense to you? No, that was completely stupid. He was like, are you in the business? <laughs> 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 yes, sir. He's like, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Boston, you know, nobody's around. They're all upstairs, you know, whatever. I'm about taking a selfie with me, <laughs> and you know he, he was one of those guys that was really approachable, and yeah, you know, and and you know I told him that I did some work with with Sin Bodie, who you know runs the Snake Pit there in Vegas. Oh yeah, and uh, you know he 
he's one of he's a Jake guy. Yeah. So Jake was like, "Oh, okay, cool, yeah, you know." But I was I was so mad at at another situation, you know, guys that I've known for 15, 16 years in the business acted like they didn't even know me. You can call them out if you want to. <laughs> That's entirely up to you. Hmm, let me think. <laughs> well, let's just say they're suspended now. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, is that a deer on the wall? Is that a buck? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a young one, too. Damn young bucks, man. <laughs> tough, tough eating, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get you every time. Well, you know, it, it, it just, you know, they, they got in this position and I feel like they almost forgot where they came from. Right. You know, they're they're getting their close buddies jobs and, and whatnot, but to not even have a conversation with somebody that you've known for years. All friend right. wrestling. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like to see what happened to them now. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Listen, I'm I'm really interested to see where that that whole thing goes with CM Punk and and yeah, that's, the Young Bucks. You know, I'm seeing all the time on because I watch my my YouTube's got a lot of wrestling on it. You know, WrestleMania. You know, oh, I fucking love WrestleMania. Different shows like that, and a lot of them are thinking Punk's not going to be back. But I'm like, man, that would suck for the company because <clears throat> he's he's selling tickets, right? And, and he can work. You know, I mean, one of the best that going right now. So, Absolutely. Like when 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 you now, when now you look at if it, the, if the Bucks and uh, Olivier, as Cornette calls him, <laughs> never show back up on AEW, I wouldn't miss them. I it's, mean, I've seen some of, of Kenny's matches from New Japan, and yeah, I mean, he had some great matches over there, but it's the same match. Well, here. Here's the thing about about certain guys. Um, I don't know the truth of this story, but we just make shit up, anyways. I'm I'm pretty sure if you go to a wrestling camp that's held by somebody like Harley Race, and you can't make it through three days of training mm-hmm. without. Somebody like Harley Race saying, you need more work. Just get out of my ring. Like, yeah. Whoa. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you go back to Japan. You know, you go to Japan and you, you know. Yeah. And anybody can learn how to bump. But mm-hmm. when you tell a story. Right. You know, but then you're wrestling a sex doll in the middle of the yeah. ring in Japan. And you're like, really? Yep. And and he's actually talking about a real plastic blow up sex doll, not a little boy dressed in a geisha outfit. Just gonna throw that out there. I've been to Japan. <laughs> oh <my. Asshole>. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not have been the red light district. Just saying. Rapungi neha. <laughs> oh, so um, it's like, the, like the female wrestlers he brought into AEW is like. Where are you getting these 198-pound schoolgirls? You know, I mean, right. you've got real female wrestling talent on your roster. You don't need this shit. And, and, and I, some I was, of them are really raw and really yeah. green, green as a pepper tree, whatever. But there's 
think that you can see something in them. But, you know, when you bring in these little flippy schoolgirls, it's like, why? It, it's almost like they're trying to do the whole uh, WWE Divas thing where there really wasn't wrestling involved. It was just eye candy. And then you get, like, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair and Bailey and, I mean, girls that really, like, want to fucking wrestle. And they change the face of female wrestling, and right. they they headline their own pay per view, and they're they're proving we're a main event, right? And I and I think from what I've seen with other promotions, it's like they're they're it's that knee jerk reaction. Oh shit, we got we got to get in this. But I mean, you're well. It's like Cornette talks about Mick Foley. He said, "Great guy, great worker." You're just great at everything. But a lot of his downfalls is get being remembered for the deathmatch stuff. Right. Yeah. And he said, but what he did was good in the death matches because he was telling a story. Yeah. And it led up to the death match. It wasn't just like, well, this we're gonna fight for the first time. Let's let's have a death match. Right. You know, but he said, you know, the young guys, they just see deathmatch stuff. We gotta do that. Right. Don't know how to get there. I mean, right. I, I remember back in the day when we were going to this Ryan Mosque all the time, a feud would happen between two guys or two tag teams or whatever, and something would happen on TV, and it's like, my God, okay. You know, it was always over the titles. We're going to be in a cage match this weekend. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to do a chain match or a dog collar match or something. But mm -hmm. there was rules to the match. Yeah. Uh, their, their Texas death matches they've had on AEW – they're not Texas death matches. Right. You know, that's more of a, what do they call it? The, not the I quit, but the last man standing type match. More Because Texas death match is supposed to have pinfalls. <clears throat> right. Or submissions. Then there's a 30-second rest period. And then if the guy can't continue, that's when the match ends. So you could have 50 pinfalls. You know, well, there's like different variations of of every match now. Mm -hmm. You know, like the original Texas Bull Rope match mm -hmm. was actually a four corner match. Oh yeah, you had to drag your opponent and touch all four corners. You know, but over the years, that that particular art has been lost. Mm -hmm. You know, so if they can't go to all four corners, they'll use the submission or pin. Mm -hmm. And you know it's for for me. I'm okay with that, as long as it still tells the story. But there was that drama, though. You know, he's got three. He, he's right. going for the fourth. He's almost there. Exactly. Oh, Big now he's got to start all over right. again. You know. Yeah. You know, and you know me. I, I come on. You, you know me forever. I'm mm -hmm. American Dream, Dusty Rose fan, if you will. <laughs> okay, Daddy. Son of a right. plumber. Wolf cackle like a South You know, it's like I, I loved watching that that big dude just work, you oh, know. Yeah. And you know, just just some some over the years when when you watch certain wrestlers and you go back and you look and you're like, that makes sense. What what they're doing now in AEW and you know, some of the stuff, it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, the super kick. Chris Adams, Shawn Michaels, when they hit you with that, that was a match over. Right. 
Now, yeah. they, now they super kick your head off 15 times and you get a two count. Well, that's um, <laughs> Taker had uh, Taker had said it on Broken Skull session, and then Bubba Ray had backed it up. When the Dudleys wrestled Taker, they were going to give him the 3D. And they were trying to work it to where Taker sat up from it. And Taker said, no, that's your finish. That That's it. Nobody. And it was, uh, I want to say it was their last match in WWE before they went to like TNA or something like that. Somebody finally kicked out of the, the 3D. And it was just like, you know, a big ass fucking shocker. But it's, it's the same. If you have a finisher, you know, okay, Rock and Stone Cold. You know, they, they were going rock bottom for fucking stunner, just back back and forth, back and forth. It was a WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. And it was finally like three stunners, and the rock's finally out. But then he hops up and he hits Stone Cold with the with the rock bottom and then hits him with the people's elbow, which of course that only came around to try to get fucking Taker to break fucking character. <laughs> Because they were they were sitting in the back. It was uh, Stone Cold, Taker, Rock, Kurt Angle, like in a four way, and the Rock didn't have the people's elbow yet, and they were trying to think of some way to get Taker to break. Because at that time, you know, Taker Taker was the gimmick. Right there, there was no out of the gimmick whatsoever, and they just like okay, this is the most dumbest thing in the world, and. I want to say uh, the Rock hit him with it, and for a brief moment, Taker kind of kind of grinned. Right before he sat up and hit Rock with a fucking yep. choke slam. My my favorite is there, there's actually a video going around where they're trying to get Taker to do the spin a Rooney. <laughs> God. <laughs> and you know he's just, you know, of course, you know, TV's off, but you know yeah. they're still recording and. You know, Vince is out there. Vince gets down there and he does a little <laughs> spin a Rooney. Triple H does a spin a Rooney. You know, I've seen that video. And yeah. and you're just like, you know, you know, the at this point they're just like ribboning, yeah. Right? You know, and wrestling should be fun, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I th- there there's times where. I don't have fun anymore. Yeah. Because I look at it and I'm like, there, there's so much like in Southern California right now, it's so saturated. I got, you know, there's, there's, there's one, one spot that runs four or five different shows. That's within seven miles of all three of my venues. Right. And you're like, okay, so you got five different companies running in one building. And then you got, you know, other companies, you know, starting to find these other little spots around, and you're just like, all right. And let's define the building, though, too, because it's not like this big, huge building. Right, like, they're they're basically running in the alley in the back. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, you know, like, we'll do parking lot shows, you know, for the American Legions, you know, Mm -hmm. me being a vet myself, I, you know, that's one of my ways of giving back. Is try to try to help raise money for for the legions. Keep you know, mm-hmm. you know, when COVID hit, things really started going downhill for right. a lot of lots of, a lot of legion posts. Right. So you know, fundraiser's a fundraiser. 
with that being said, and not to cut you off there, but what branch? Navy. Never again volunteer yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I was a glutton for punishment. <laughs> One branch wasn't enough. No, I had to do two. Really? Uh, you didn't learn the first time. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> Which two? Marine Corps, uh, 92 to 96. And then I joined the Army in 05 and got medically retired in 14. Okay. So, no. yeah, I'm just fucking... <laughs> <laughs> okay, sidebar, I'm just curious. Yeah. Why would you do that? Um, so I was in the reserves, uh, the Marine Corps reserves in 04, and I was supposed to, um, take, uh, four of my Marine or three of my Marines. We were getting attached to first Marine division at Camp Pendleton. And then we were going to Iraq. Shit went sideways. Um, and they pretty much, my unit told me, uh, don't call us. We'll call you. Mm. So I called. First thing I did is I got a hold of active duty Marine Corps recruiter and I was a sergeant at the time. I'm C5 and they're like, well, uh, best we can do, uh, you'll go in as an E3 and, but I can't get you in anywhere until December. This is August. I'd already like job was done. I'm like, yeah, I don't have a job now. And then the army recruiter, <laughs> fucking hook, line and sinker. I'll get you promoted, duty station of choice. You want airborne? Fuck yeah, you know, we'll just fucking do all this. And yeah, I got I got offered two jobs to keep my rank. Tanker and a Ford Observer. I'm not claustrophobic, but when, it, but when it's time to get the fuck out of something, it's time to get the fuck out. And a little bitty ass hatch ain't happening. So I'm like, hmm, look, let's be a Ford Observer. <laughs> I, I can kind of do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... That's the way it was, and yeah, I, I I like to joke. The Marine Corps didn't destroy my body enough. I'm gonna give the Army a, uh, a chance. Well, at yeah, it. right. Yeah. Um, see, I've had surgery on my right hip. They removed three centimeters of bone off my femur. They had to round uh, fix the ligament in the socket because my femur had flattened out. Um, last year or the year before. I had uh, ended up having shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery. They were supposed to go in and just, uh, clean up the socket and ended up opening up the top and really cleaning it out and took part of my clavicle out. Mm. Um, both knees are fucked. Um, and all service related. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the neck's from headbanging a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, IED blast in Iraq. Uh, Wow. Perforated both eardrums, multiple concussions, lacerations in the back of the head. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. The I I will say my hearing problem. At least this is what I've told uh, exes in the past. My hearing problem is because of that, not because I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> what? Selective hearing. <laughs> did, did you say something? No. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for your service. Well, I I, I appreciate you guys and everything you're doing and I got to give it up to Tony um, going from a landlocked state like Missouri and joining the Navy. I, I, I did bounce back and forth between here and California my whole life. So um, now where, where did you get to go? I spent two years over in Japan. Okay. 
that mainland or Okinawa? Uh, mainland. Okay. Uh, that that was fun, you know. It it fed it fed my pro wrestling obsession a little bit because, you know, I, I met quite a few pro wrestlers over there. Road Warrior Hawk, oh, Million Dollar oh. Man, Ted DiBiase. Watched him put a put a guy's nose on the side of his face one night. <laughs> that was pure gold. <laughs> was that a receipt or a potato? Ooh, man, that was that was a potato. <laughs> <laughs> now he we, I was actually it was the first bar I ever worked in. That was called Gas Panic. There was a bar and there was a club, and uh, we were, I was working the club that night, and you know. Hawk and and Diviasi came in with a bunch of Japanese wrestlers and dude walks up to Diviasi and said, "You guys are a bunch of fake fucking pussies." Oops. <laughs> Diviasi was like, "You know what? I'm a performer. You either like my show or you don't. You don't have to watch. But he, tell you what, no hard feelings. I'm gonna buy you a beer. Hands him a beer. Dude pours the beer out." Now you see you shouldn't have done that. And you know, I'm I'm across across the club and I'm watching this start to transpire and I see Road Warrior Hawk standing behind DiBiase. <laughs> and I'm like, and let me tell you something. That was a big son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like he had muscles on his earlobes, like right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, this dude is scary big. Like, yeah. you know. He had biceps on his biceps. Like, I mean, scary <laughs> big. DBS, he just kind of turned and looked. And went, hit that dude so freaking hard, man. Just, and, you know, Marines, sailors. Oh, there's a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I got my liquid courage. <laughs> so here I am. Going to pick up two bodies, take over to the elevator. Down button, go grab two more bodies. I mean, there's something about strong style and, and Japanese wrestling. Them boys are tough. I bet, yeah. And they beat the fuck out of these guys. <laughs> I mean, it was like twenty on ten. You, uh, uh, yeah. most of them guys are probably also trained in several martial arts and. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you seen the uh, the video when. Uh, WWE first went into Saudi and it was an interview with uh, Vader and Taker and the host started talking about how wrestling was fake and Leon just got up and fucking like open hand slapped this fucker down. Does that look fake? Does that feel fake to you? And yeah, some some old Dr. Dr. Death stuff right there. Oh, you know, yeah. David Schultz like you know, that dude still has a ring in his ear over that incident. I guarantee you, he does. <laughs> you know that I can't remember his name now. He was what, an ABC reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Him right in the eardrum twice. Fuck or, that. Then then Hogan about killed. Uh, what was that TV talk show host right before WrestleMania? Oh, put him on the sleeper hold. Put him in the. In the front face lock, and he yeah. went out, and he fell down and cracked his head on the on the table. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to pause it here. If you would like to hear more of stories with Tony and Raina, 
tune in to next week's After Dark, and you will hear the rest of it. But until then, you have just watched another episode of Stuham Productions Presents. J&M, Solve the World. I've been James. And I've been Matt. And until next time, keep one fist in the gold, one foot in the gutter, and we'll be seeing you. Peace. And we are oh, back. back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, so, so we just finished off with talking about uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Fucking. It was hey, David Schultz. Dr. D, Dr. D, David Schultz. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm thinking Dr. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Dr. Yeah, Death knocked a few guys out, too. <laughs> um, uh, talking about um, Vader, it brought me back to the story of... Um, Ron Simmons being the first black man to be uh, crowned the world heavyweight championship. And it was, I forget who the fucking promoter was at WCW at that time or who the manager was or whatever. And it was him. It wasn't Jim Hurd, was it? I uh, I think it was because I know Dusty was um, grooming Ron to be a champion. And then Dusty went up he went up to the big time, and it was, uh, I think it was Jim Hurd, Ron Simmons, and Vader were the only ones that it was going to happen. And going into the match... Harley Harley Race was Vader's manager. Okay. That's right. They, they didn't know, because Ron said this on a couple occasions, going into the match, he didn't know whether Vader was going to let him go over. Here's the thing about Vader... Like, Vader's got a reputation for being that guy that's hard to work with. Mm -hmm. But I look back at it, and I see him always being the one doing the job. Mm -hmm. He protected the business. Right. You know, and I I, I truly think he got a bad rap on on a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it was, I'm pretty sure they just put him in the Hall of Fame, what, last year, year before? Yeah, last year. You know, and... Or this year. that, That was... That was good to see. Yeah, you know, I think I think he deserved it. You know, oh, yeah. Like, um, as far as Ron Simmons, boom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that that dude just the the way he treats people and you know the way he brought up people like The Rock, like right. D'Lo Brown. Mm-hmm. He took those boys underneath the underneath his wing and and you know coached them. Right. So that's what. I feel like the business is about it's about that next generation. How are you gonna keep going? Right. What's what's next for 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 your business or for for the business? Right. And the, and the young guys, whether they want to or not, Hangman Adam Page, you gotta <laughs> listen to the old guys. Dummy. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're in their spot for a reason, and they may be on the downhill part of their career, but they're. All the knowledge, dude. If I if I was working for AEW, okay, and I got people like Tolly Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, you know, Jake the Snake, Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah. Now Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Steamboat's in AEW now. Yes, 
And, you know, I look at that and I'm thinking, my God. Wouldn't you love to be 20 years old again? And Oh, good God, man. Like, <laughs> I would just, I'd be a <clears throat> sponge. I would just take everything I could from each one of them. You know, every chance I had, you know, whether it was beautiful, beautiful Bobby Eaton, you know, I learned so much for him. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, you know, <laughs> that, that was, here's, here's a funny story for you. For, you know, first time I ever come across the legend in the ring, right? I'm, I'm wrestling for Herb Simmons and outside of uh, St. Louis and, you know, over in Illinois, on the Illinois side. And the main event is Ron Powers and the big Texan, two big old boys. And they're like, okay, you're going to run in at the end of this match and, you know, take your nightstick to Ron Powers. Okay. <laughs> is he good with this? <laughs> Does he know I'm doing it? <laughs> so they're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's worked out, blah, blah, blah. You'll be fine. We're going to have, you know, somebody's going to come in and they'll double thump you and, you know, all right, cool. Well, it's, it's Cowboy Bob Orton, you know. And as soon as you see that elbow, you know, up in the air and the fist, and I'm just like, Apparently, I was smiling. <laughs> I guess I had a permagrin going because, you know, I'm getting beat up by Cowboy Bob Orton. You know, it's like, right, right. I'm, the, I'm in the ring with Cowboy Bob Orton. Like, what? The? They're like going, that motherfucker's crazy. He's laughing about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the Mick Foley thing. Right. When um, after Taker backflipped him through the top of the cell, he was trying to stick his tongue through the hole. Because, and he didn't realize that he had a tooth that it went through. Right. And he was just trying to feel around for the hole. And, of course, it looked like he was smiling. But, you know, you were talking earlier uh, about the death matches and everybody, like, not wanting to tell a story now. Right. I mean, that that hell in a cell with Taker and Mankind, Mm -hmm. that was... That was the epicenter of, I mean, that, that was like the apex of that storyline. That that put the exclamation point on that storyline. Right. right. And everything leading up to it, the uh, Paul Bearer turning his back on the taker and taking up with mankind. Good old Percy, man. Did you ever Percy? Yes. Uh, it he 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 was a pretty funny dude. Really? Like, I, I I met him, I met him in Vegas once, and like, just a, a, an incredible ham. Like, right. just a very lighthearted dude. You know, they said um, like Taker talked about it on the uh, Broken Skull sessions, and so many people that have ever come in contact with Percy, they were like. The dude was larger than life. He loved being on the road. He loved being with the boys more than any other manager ever was because he was one of the boys. He he would he's one of those guys that would definitely just stop what he was doing, turn, look at you, and be like, You fucked up. Yeah. This is how you need to do it. You know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't flip out on you like like Jim Cornette would, or right. or <laughs> one one of the other guys be like, "What the fuck are you doing, stupid?" Yeah. Like, okay, this is how you need to handle this. This is how you fix it. This is how you come back from the mistake you already made. Right. So you know, it's like 
when you get when you get somebody like that that loves the business so much that is going to give of himself mm-hmm. to somebody he doesn't know, some indie smuck, right? You know, like what do you do? You know, you you like, yes, sir, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And did you, ever make, did you ever make cornet? No, have not had the pleasure. Really? Um, I I did I did get an opportunity to. To meet uh, beautiful Bobby before he passed away, sure. um, did did a little bit of that you know what they what they said about his hook, mm-hmm. his hand was quick, <laughs> like, like you don't you don't see it coming. By the time you feel it on your chin, you're like, oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but one of my one of my favorite in ring experiences was actually with. Another natural or hacksaw retreat. Oh yeah, um, I got to share the ring with him a, a few times down in Harrison, Arkansas, cool. and that man was just like just being in his presence. Right, it's almost like learning through osmosis. Oh, like <laughs> you're walking and talking, and you're learning as you're going. Right, and you know, years ago. Up there at Old Remington's there in Springfield when mm-hmm. when Harley was running up there. Right. Uh I had one of the old WCW uh trading cards. Okay. With him on it. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get him to sign it. Him being a bad guy, being a heel, shows over. I'm like, hey, will you sign my card? No, go away. Oh, really? Fucking <laughs> <Like>, asshole. <laughs> like, you just wait until I get in the ring. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, you know what I mean? And so years later, like, uh, the, the locker room was empty. It was just me and him in the back. And I walked up to him. And I said, I got a bone to pick with you. And he gives me the look like, uh, okay, what? Like. Yeah, we're gonna fight. (laughs) So I set a sharpie down and I set the card down. I said, "Now then, I need your autograph on this thing. You superstarred me once. You're not doing it again." (laughs) And he just got to grinning like, "Where'd I do that at?" And I told him, you know, it was for Harley up in Springfield. And he was like, "Damn, I hadn't wrestled there in years." I blew you off. Yeah, you were a dick. <laughs> Brother, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice. You know, he, he he was one of those guys that, you know, you hear wrestlers talking in the ring. Well, he's a master at it. Like, you know, everybody knows K-Fabe's dead. Yeah. Right? But this man, he's talking... To the crowd, he's talking just to talk, but he's also telling you what to do when you're in the ring. Uh-huh. They said beautiful Bobby was good at that. Like, like you're you're just your mind's blown. You know, it's like Butch is sitting there jabbing me. Boom, boom. Oh yeah, you might as well go down. And he, you know, like 
Well, yeah, I was going to bump anyways because mm-hmm. you throw yeah. in a haymaker. Like, right, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? But, dude, the way he's talking, everybody can hear it, but he's not saying anything to break kayfabe. Right. And you're just like, that's fucking amazing. Like, how can how can I do that? So, you know, I've tried to imitate some mm-hmm. of it and, you know, Try to put some of that into into my work. Right. I, I remember when I seen Harley when he was NWA champion up there, and he his breathing cadence is a and it's like I did. I was like, you may need to be on CPAP or something. I don't know. You know. But then you know, I learned years later that that was how he communicated was through his breathing patterns and stuff, and he would throw in what to do in between. In right. between. Yeah. Who was that? I think Stone Cold was talking about that. He would sit there and uh, he would have like Stone Cold in a in a headlock or a wrist lock or whatnot, and says, 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 go down, and says, 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 and just just telling him what to do when he was uh, when Stone Cold was green. Mm-hmm. Cornette had a story about Bobby. He was wrestling a guy, and they had a they had a young referee. He was kind of new. And said, Bobby, he'd have got a headlock. He'd never, he'd never once bend over to whisper to him or nothing like that, but he'd look like he was mouthing the, the referee. You know, the fans are like, yeah, he, you know, the referee be saying something, and it was like, he's like, yeah, fuck you, whatever. Da, da. He's like, can you sunset flip? And he said, this referee, and he was talking to the, his opponent. And the referee <laughs> goes, uh, I think so. Dude, no, not you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this, it's an art form, you Mm -hmm. know, to be able to perform like that in front of people. I've had, uh, I've had kids that ever, one, one kid called himself bulletproof. Okay. He, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm booker on this show, you know, a local show before we started our, our, our company and, uh, you know, I'm busy. I'm, I'm setting people off. I'm running the show. You know, he's like, dude, what are we gonna do? It's simple. You're the good guy. I'm the bad guy. I'm going out there to kick your ass. <laughs> I see you in the ring, kid. <laughs> and he's a, like, he's never done a match that way. You'd always planned it before. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you're like. I mean, that's all good. You know, Macho Man is notorious for liking to plan every move. Da, like, da, da, da. me, I cannot tell you that I'm going to throw a punch when I'm going to throw a punch. Right. Like, that Savage would have four papers. Right. Four pages of notes on a 20-minute match, and you're like. It was like him and him and Steamboat, right? At WrestleMania three, he said, and I forget how many. The Steamboat was talking about is like one hundred and sixty seven moves. Moves that was, he's like number one, number two, you know. He said, and we stole the show, right? You know, but Steamboat was used to wrestling Flair, where they just got in the ring and went for an hour. Right, you know, called, called and, on the and, fly. And, and never spoke to each other the whole time. They just knew each other so well. They knew what to do, when to do it, how to do it. When the when the crowd 
would react a certain way. Okay, let's keep doing that. Or, you know. That that kid came up to me after the match and was like, this was the best match I've ever been in. Yeah. Like, how did we do that? I said, you followed directions. Right. That's how we did that. And he was just like, wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Well, and, I mean, if you, got, if you got a script and you're, and, you're, and you're following the script and the crowd's not responding, mm-hmm. you know. You, you, you got to call an audible. You, you keep eating improv. <laughs> you know? everything, everything you do in, in the wrestling world is, is about improv, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. You know, most of the time I'm a good guy. But if I'm getting, if I'm catching a little heat. Take advantage of it. I'll take advantage of it. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't care if you cheer for me or you boo for me. My goal is to make our fans react. Right. Make them feel. How right. how do I get you to react to me? And that's right. entertainment, too, because oh, if yeah. you think about it, you guys play music, right? Mm-hmm. You're out there, you're looking, you're playing something, you're looking at your fans, and if they're right. not resonating with that, what do you do? You switch it up, yep. right? Have you ever heard somebody do a speech and they're reading it versus yeah. somebody who's just, you know, speaking to you like a person, right. and then it's believable. You feel like you're hearing me inside. Right. It's the same thing with a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, all choreographed, like, it doesn't have the same feel. Right. That's, have you seen that uh, deal with Eric Bischoff? It's somewhere up in Chicago, a suburb of Chicago, and he comes out and he's making a speech, and he comes out and everybody's cheering him. He's like, I don't know what you people are cheering about. This is a shithole. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, no, seriously, my manager said this was a great venue. He said, I've been in better venues in freaking Mississippi. This place sucks. And the crowd starts turning on him, and he just keeps needling them a little bit. And then they finally start booing, and he's like, I still got it. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, what I did right there, he said, I made you guys feel. Absolutely. He said, that's what wrestling business is all about, playing on your emotions. Exactly. Either you're super happy about what happened or you're super pissed off. And he said, but that's what's wrong with the news media today is – they make you feel about the news instead of just telling you the news. Because as soon as you start feeling, mm-hmm. you quit thinking. Mm-hmm. But I remember as a kid coming home, and, man, there was nights I was just so pissed off. You know, my, my favorite guy, you know, Ricky Morton. And, it, you know, this was back before the Rock and Roll Express. It was Ricky Morton and um, Tom or Eddie Gilbert were a tag team in the Tri-States area at the time. And they just got their shit beat on by Ron Sexton. Or not Ron Sexton. Um, Doug Summers and um, Ron McFarlane or something, okay. you know, and I was like, God damn it, you know, and just be pissed, you know, pissed off the next day, you know, couldn't wait to watch wrestle on Saturday then to see what was going to happen next week at the Shrine Mosque. <laughs> right. You know. You know, and I know I always wanted to see the good guy win, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to see what the bad guy was going to do next. Right. I think a lot of that for society changed when you had like the first real bad guy, the 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 first person to actually like before he even stepped in the ring, he scared people. And that was Taker mm-hmm. at Survivor Series. You know, I mean, you had fans in the crowd that were just like Where did this guy come from? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was, is this guy really dead? Is he alive? And I mean, you know, and 
it, it took him a while, and he's talked about it, but it took him a while to get to that point. You know, and, 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 and on large part was because Arne, or, uh, Ole Anderson told him that no one would ever pay to see him wrestle. That guy is at the top of the... Hold my beer and watch this. Right. <laughs> like, the, I, I love it when somebody underestimates me. Mm. You know, here I am at, at 370 pounds. Yes, I'm on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, saw, but, I saw vegetables there last night. I, I had some vegetables, you know. I mean, so, it wasn't just all meat. You know, when, when I do some of the stuff that I do in the ring, you know, I could do a simple thing like old Bam Bam Bigelow, oh. like a cartwheel. Yeah, I right. do a cartwheel in the ring and people lose their mind. Because right. they, they, how'd that fat son of a bitch do that? <laughs> Holy shit. Like, <laughs> I just watched one of your videos the other day because I was, I was telling my wife and daughter about talking to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I came in, I was like, hey, hey, just, uh, just talk to Tony. He's bothering up, really? And, and I was like, because Mandy couldn't remember you from out at the bar, mm-hmm. you know. I, was, I went to your Facebook page. I'm like, oh, there, there's a video of you. Took the bump, threw the ropes on the on your opponents on the floor. I'm like, oh, here he is. And they're, I'm, I'm holding the phone. They're watching. And she's like, holy shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to see you take the dive through the ropes, too. But <laughs> like, I mean, the, there was only... And I mean, honestly, looking back through as, as far as I can remember, you know, there's only been a few big men that were agile like that. Mm-hmm. Bam Bam, uh, Hugh Morris, mm-hmm. WCW, mm-hmm. Um, Bubba Ray. King Kong Bundy was, for his size, was fairly agile. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he wasn't doing... Bubba Ray Dudley, actually. Or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba Ray said he... he um, Molded his career basically after Bam Bam, because Bam Bam was a big guy, and but he was agile, right? And Bubba Ray was athletic. He was just a big guy, and it's like, you know, he talks about Bam Bam showed him how to lace up his boots. He's like, no, this is how a big man laces up his boots, because the way you're doing it, they're going to loosen up. You're going to twist an ankle. Something's going to happen. This is how you lace up your boots. You get them tight, and he's like. Since then, that's exactly how he's laced up his boots every single time. I, I got a great Bam Bam story. We're, we're going back to Springfield, Missouri again. <laughs> WLW. Um, you know, fan interactions. They'd always do the, the Polaroids during intermission. And, mm-hmm. you know. I've got one of those with Bam Bam. I remember a somebody certain mom. Mm-hmm. Got her up to the ring. We got, you know, we're there's there's like three of us trying to get her up in the ring, you know, make sure she's okay. Then we have her just kind of roll under the rope. <laughs> I think so. Because she hadn't, that wasn't long after her hip surgery, I think. Right. And yeah. she, she had the walker with her, you know. And it was, it was funny because I didn't know a whole lot about the business yet. So, you know, we, we get you guys up in there, we get the picture taken. That was you know, all three of us. We, we yep. get, get her back, at, you know, get her back out. And Bam Bam reaches to the ropes and was like, 
thank you for helping. And he shakes my hand. Now, you know, there is there is a wrestler handshake. There is, right? Kind of like a Masonic handshake. I didn't know. So, you know, to me, a handshake's a handshake. You know, you, right. you put it in there, right? So I shake his hand, and I'm like, oh, my God. Is he gay? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the f- what what what, right. ju- what just happened? Right. Like, mm-hmm. No fucking way. So here it is. Years later, I'm in San Bernardino, California. I'm, I'm training. You know, I'm sweaty. I'm hot. You know, I'm I'm doing the rolls. I'm you know I'm doing all my agile stuff. And you know, I my my trainer Jesse comes up to me, brother. I got a spot for you, brother. I want you to wrestle on this show. Yeah, cool. You know, do you have gear yet? I'm like, no, not yet. But you know, I, I get some right now. You know, like we'll, yeah. we'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, but uh, shake my hand. I shake his hand, and you know, my handshake. Mm-hmm. No, brother. You got to come in like you're going to shake hard, but you got to loosen up the grip. Because if you shake another wrestler's hand like that, they're going to judge you for your handshake and not trust you in the ring. Think you're going to be stiff. And I was like, and it flushed right back to that 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 time with Bam Bam. Right. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> he was saying he'd take care of me in the ring, not, oh, Dumb shit. <laughs> 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 That's cool. Well, it makes sense too, because I mean, you don't want to be just gripping somebody as tight as possible and run the risk of cracking somebody's hand too. That's got to work, you know. You know, the, it, the, the 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 saying goes, you know, like I, I was actually telling one of the guys in the band last night that you guys could go set up any time. But if a wrestler gets hurt, he don't make no money next week. Right. So that's where the work comes in. Mm-hmm. You know? And, well, that means it's fake. <laughs> Watch that F word. Yeah. Because let, let, let me describe it to you this way. Accidents happen. Yeah. People get pissed <clears> off. <throat> and again, I'm 370 pounds. I hit the ground, it hurts. Right. You cannot fake gravity. Right. right. You know, steel chairs, they hurt. They yeah. suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that's, that's what, what it was. Uh, I was, we were talking about it earlier and uh, about somebody hit Taker and he just told him, your receipt's coming. And he spread it out. Like, I mean, this dude was scared. <laughs> he, he hit Taker, like, one too many times with a chair. And he just turned around and looked, and he said, it's coming. And, you know, when, you, when you've got the phenom telling you, hey, your receipt's coming, and it's not delivered right then, or, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember who it was. It was uh, somebody did it to the big show, to Paul White. And, I mean, it was immediate. And, I mean, he just took his fucking hand and just 
like concave somebody's chest and it's like oh and you could see that that really fucking happened because the welt where his hand hit the dude's chest was like instantaneous and yeah I, not to sidetrack right. they just fucking popped in it's like that's what it was I like Mick Foley's story about the first time he wrestled Terry Funk and Funk backed him in the corner with a big punch and Foley's like oh man this is cool I, I've always wondered how he done this Terry calls back and just knocked the fuck out of him and said sorry kid it's the only way I know how to do it he <laughs> <laughs> said it looks so good because it was <laughs> it, you know it, it it's really funny because when you see some of these some of the boys out out and about the you you'll get a fan come up chop me mm-hmm. we were talking about that last night it, <laughs> you got a choice you either lay it the fuck in or tell them look I'm not performing. I'm not getting paid. I'm not touching you. Go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you do choose to do it, you got to do it to to the point to where you either bust them open or make sure they don't want another shot. Right. Because you're making yourself, you're making the business look like crap. Mm-hmm. That's what Cornette said that Bill Watts told him. said, if you get in the bar fight, you better fucking win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was that match in WCW? Was it Flair and Benoit for trading chops? Flair and it was Flair and um, uh, uh, Ronnie Garvin. Garvin was giving him the open hand chop, and Flair was the knife edge chop, and they were both bleeding. Well, no, this was uh, during the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. I thought it was like Benoit or something. That might have been. Well, and I mean, there was this one. It was a TV match, if I yeah. remember right, on TBS. And they were just back and forth and back and forth. And yeah. I, I, yeah, James was saying last night on the way back from uh, the thing, and he was like, man, I, I, I'd let Ric Flair chop me right now. I don't, I don't I would, care. I'm like, <laughs> you know. I'm like um, no. No, I, I, no I, I'm good. I'm, Thank you. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have that big of a chest, and uh, I, I don't want it to be any smaller. You don't want your chest to look like uh, uh, Jericho's? Jericho's now? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But that guy, watching the story on him, and then the fact that he's still performing, he's still wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he's going on tour. So, you know, I mean, he... And he's always said, I mean, just like you just said, I mean, there's no... You can't fake gravity. Mm-hmm. When he would do the the lion salt and do all this stuff, I mean, you can't fake that. Right. Uh, Billy Kidman used to do the shooting star press. Mm-hmm. And who was it? Um... Uh, Bam Bam came off one time and like hurt himself. And that's when Vince was like, no, no, no more doing uh moonsault or I, can't, it, I don't, I can't remember if Mark it was Bam Lesner Bam. About paralyzed himself against Kurt Angle with them. Yeah. He tried to do a shooting star press. And I didn't realize he'd done that in the independence quite a bit. Right. But he hadn't done it. Cause they're like, you're a big guy. You don't need to do that shit. 
but it was for the title, da, 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 but he just had him set up too far away. And You know, <laughs> there, there's a saying, just because you can <laughs> doesn't mean you should. Right. Well, you know. and if you can and do it successfully, like like watching you do your dive out of the ring, mm-hmm. that probably wasn't something you'd done every match. Oh, no, 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 no. You saved that for a special occasion. Exactly. You know. You know, Because if you do it every match, I'm probably just like, eh, uh, okay, uh, you don't know I mean. That's, that's impressive once. Like, yeah. you know, if you do it all the time, then you just, you, you're, you're burning yourself out. You're burning, you're burning yeah. the mm-hmm. mistake. The mystique of it out, right? Well, watching a big man dive through the ropes is—I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, I mean, Undertaker was probably oh god. Did you say you're like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, but that, he wasn't doing it on Monday night against the Brooklyn Brawler either, right? <laughs> now, <laughs> you know? now the time that where the he landed on the cameraman and the cameraman was actually uh-huh. Chris Canyon. Yeah, uh, you were like. Oh wow! Like, because mm-hmm. Canyon, you know, it, it was yeah. almost a botched spot, but right. you know, I don't, I don't think it was really Canyon's fault, but dude, yeah, you're over three hundred pounds, you're mm-hmm. a monster, and you're flying through the air like a dart, <laughs> right? Yeah, what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> but I, I tell you what though, it, it fucking sold. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it totally it got it. It was almost botched. Taker almost fucking, like, broke his neck. But to, you know, I didn't realize until you just said it that the cameraman was Chris Canyon. Uh, I just thought it was a cameraman, you know, muscles, whatever. Right, but right place, right time. Hmm. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and, and just that's the, this guy off the street today. Well, no, I mean the way that it was kind of botched, the way that Taker didn't land perfectly. It was, work. it was almost like the cameraman was in the wrong spot. Apparently, he was because he should have been, you know, uh, further one way or the other, to where Taker didn't have that almost landing on his well, fucking dark. neck. Yeah. You know, oh, over my years, I've, you know, I've hurt myself, I've broke my face, you know, I've, my, <laughs> you know, broken, broken my hand. I've wrestled with the cast on, steel cage match with the cast. You know, it, you you do what you can, mm-hmm. you know, and if if you love this business, and this this is the this is the one thing I can't stress enough about these younger guys. Oh, I hurt my thumb. The fuck out of here. Put some tape on that son bitch. Get your ass in the ring and do the show. Right. You yeah. committed to something, you know, you, you make your commitment. Well, it's just, I mean, like me, I just do body work for a living, right? Do I ever go to work hurting, sick, sore, something fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Because yeah. I got to get paid. Right. You know. I don't get paid if I'm sitting home. So last last December, you know, I came out and did a little run up to Illinois and wrestled two days up there. And the second day, I fractured some ribs. Ooh. That was the longest four-hour drive back I ever had. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, all the way. Well, at least ribs only hurt when you when you breathe. Only when you breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
so the, the the problem was was I was also booked the following week down in Harrison. Uh. So, and I was not going to miss that show because, you know, get the chance to wrestle in front of Jimmy Hart. Oh. Uh. And, you know, we're going over it, and I'm telling the boys, you know, to the, the, the two guys that I was wrestling against, you know, I've, I've known them for years, and I'm like, guys, my ribs are shot. I, you know, I broke them, you know, I swear I got broken ribs from last week. And, you know, I can, I'm still barely taking a breath, you know. And they, they put me with this green kid that, you know, kind of reminded me a lot of me in my, my younger days. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's okay, we'll give him the heat, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we'll, we'll take care of you. You know, we'll just give you the boot on the side and sell down, whatever. Well, after the match, Jimmy Hart comes up to me. Look, young man, you know, the little, little squeaky-ass voice of his. Uh-huh. You're hurt, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. What you got? Some broken ribs? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, I'm impressed that you got in the ring tonight. Most guys wouldn't even have sold, you know, wouldn't even have made yeah. the entrance, you know? Right. And hindsight, should I have? Probably no, not. <laughs> probably not. But there was no way in hell I was not going to miss that booking. Right. You know, and it's like I feel like I I owe Harrison, you know, a good mm-hmm. Tony Ray's match now because I wasn't able to perform the way that I know I can perform. Right. And that 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 hurts my feelings more than anything else mm-hmm. is when, you know, I, I feel like I'm my own worst critic. Right. So it's like uh, I got to got to do something here. I got to. Uh, right. You know. Yeah, you don't want to feel like you phoned it in. Right. And yeah. that's really how I feel. You know, I'm I'm getting older and since since I got older, I get to pick and choose now when I wrestle and mm-hmm. where I wrestle and when I go on decide to go on the road, when I don't decide to go on the road, and when she'll let me go on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that has a lot to do with 3PWA now, you know. Tell us a little he more leveled about, up. Tell us more, a little more about 3PWA. Well, 3PWA, we, we actually um, had the... Well, okay, so I'm Raina Rays, right? So I represent all the ladies and wives that, you know, hooked up with a pro wrestler <laughs> and started off with not knowing shit about pro wrestling whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm one of those. I don't know half the crap you're talking about right now. I'm, right. I'm basically listening like as if... You know, I'm on the other end of that podcast and, you know, he's playing it out loud and I'm hearing all these stories for the first time. That's who I am. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm sorry. Look no. at me however no. you want. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, you know, we, cool. we met 16 years ago and he was a bouncer at a club and we exchanged phone numbers. And, you know, three days later, right, man rolled three days later, he go. calls me. There we go. And the first thing he says is, what do you think about wrestling? And I'm sitting there like, 
I don't. Like, <laughs> not good, not bad. I, I never, watched never watched it. it. I have yeah. no clue whatsoever. And we started our path dating. And what does dating mean for when you date a pro wrestler? You go to his shows, right? Mm-hmm. So you show up fucking three, four hours before. I'm sitting there. I don't know nobody. You know, and then the show starts. And I'm watching the show. And I'm watching all these guys. And then you're waiting, you know, two, three hours after, right? So I'm one of those. And right. I'm sure there's a lot of ladies out there who's like, that's my girl right there. <laughs> like, I relate to that person. And so, you and know. our I, hats off to you guys for putting up with the life. <laughs> right? I started a Facebook group called Pro, PW Law, Pro Wrestlers, Ladies and Wives. Like, thinking like, hey, let's connect, let's talk, because there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And um, when we talk about the passion that these wrestlers have, I don't understand that. Like, right. I don't get it. And I, I'm i not judging. I just, I don't understand it, but I see it in everybody. Right. And um, you have to know how to support a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. You absolutely do. And so when he's talking about the story about his ribs being broken one weekend, and then the next weekend he wants to go wrestle, I'm over here, like, shaking my head, like, fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> baby, you know, inside I'm saying, baby, I don't want you to do that. Right. I really don't want you to do that. Um. But being in in and around this so long, I know I can't say that. I'm, right. I'm here to say I support you 100%. What mm-hmm. do you need from me? Right. Right? That's all I can do. Because the moment... More tape. <laughs> get, the, get the KT tape. Get the <laughs> um, so basically, that's that's where I come from. And, and I'm all about the faces behind the gimmick you know i get to know the people and build relationships that's how mm-hmm. i met d'lo brown i met him at a bar didn't even know who the fuck i was talking <laughs> to like nice. seriously sure. i we started up a conversation and we were at a casino and i'm talking to him for about an hour and he comes looking for me and sits behind me and whispers in my ear do you know who you're talking to yeah some guy at the bar yeah. <laughs> like, i had no clue yeah. and me and d'lo brown we we have a really, really, really good relationship. I mean, he's like a great friend of mine. Um, and, you know, it's a small world in, in pro wrestling and one thing led to another. So basically, you know, he got booked in Las Vegas. And what do I do? I'm tagging along and I'm sitting there doing nothing. So what's the next step? Like, put me put me to work. Mm-hmm. You know, let me be of service. So I start talking to the promoter's wife. What do you need me to do? I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs. I see you busting your ass, setting up the merch tables, you know, doing the door, taking photos. Like, use me. Right. What do you want me to do? And at first she looked at me like, who? What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, um, you know I can't pay you, right? <laughs> right. Not, you know, I've, I was always taught be of service. You see somebody needs help, you know, you pitch in and right. do your do. Huh? So, um that built the relationship and that was 3PW in Las Vegas and run by Gordon McCarthy and Patty and D'Lo Brown's the commissioner and and we just became friends and it got to the point where Gordon wanted to sell the company and I'd like to say I was the first person he went to I don't know (laughs) he might have went to five I have no idea but he approached us and asked if we wanted to buy the company from him and um from my point of view, you know, yes, he's getting, you know, Tony's getting older and everything. And I, and if you got to know Tony really well, his, you know, knowledge of the history of the business, he can call spots before they happen. He intuitively knows, you know, what's going on in and outside of the ring. Um, 
I just knew that there was something there that he could level up and start running his own company. Mm-hmm. If he just had somebody to help him do the business side, because the business side's difficult too. Right. And that's where I was just like, I told Gordon, yeah, let's do this. Will you take payments? You know, it was kind of like one of those things. What do you got going on? Let's make a deal. And um, and he did. And Gordon, you know, sat with us a bunch of times. D'Lo Brown has sat with us a bunch of times, especially in the beginning, before we even started running our own shows for two years. We sat with them. We talked to them off and on, you know, nice. give, you know, give us like, how do we do this? What do we do? And he was also working for other promoters out there. So there was mm-hmm. that concept of letting other promoters know what we had planned mm-hmm. before we just go out there and start doing it. Because there's that respect factor, like right. talking to Jesse Hernandez, who's the next county over talking to other promoters. This is what we have in mind. You know, this is what we're kind of doing without stepping on anybody's toes or making you feel like you got bad blood there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is that respect factor that's really important to us. Like, we won't even run in another building that knowing if there's another promotion running there. Even if those people are begging for us to come in, right. we won't do it. Right. So um, that's well, basically where the level up came from. Sounds kind of like the old territory days mm-hmm. when there was a respect yeah. between the territories. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, even though there was some... Definitely like when a, you listen to Cornet, you know there was some shady shit <laughs> going on back then, okay? Right. And still going on today. I mean, yep. you know, the people who, who are wrestlers, they're they're a different crowd. You mm. know, they're they have different mindsets and um I don't know how to say it without, you know I don't know how to say it really, but right. you meet some of these guys and girls and, and they're 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 a different breed, and mm-hmm. you, for me, it's been a learning experience to understand who they are, what motivates them, and how I can support them in their goals, their passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, our one of our models is, you know, putting professional back into professional wrestling. Right. And, um, for, and we really like putting together a show that is family-friendly, for one, mm-hmm really pushing on finding those people kind of like me who like you know wrestling got lost there for a while oh yeah right and bringing bringing it back to like the the kids coming up now who you know they would love to be in the show i i go up to people all the time like you into wrestling no you know blah 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 blah. and i was like you got to go to one of those independent shows man there's Mm -hmm. nothing like being like front front row second row back you're five feet from the ring see that's like my wife as far as sitting down and watching wrestling with me on Monday night, Wednesday night, whatever, <clears throat> she don't give two shits. <laughs> but when there's a live show coming local, mm-hmm. and we go, she gets into it. She's oh, hollering yeah. and screaming with everybody, you know. And you can't help it. Yeah. You can't help it. They're right there in your face. They're jumping off and landing right next to you. I, I mean, I've ended up with a couple in my lap before back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> I mean, Oops. You, Oops. See those, <laughs> you see those, like, what gets me is when you see those people who I ask them, have you ever been in a wrestling show? You know, I'm taking their ticket money, right? And I'm, Have you ever been in a wrestling show before? No. How would you hear about us? We saw a flyer at the pizza place down the street. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. And then you get them there, and their kids are going ape shit. They're right. loving it. And then they come back. Yeah. That and is, like, the ultimate. It's for what me. Cornette talks about, you know, the, the wrestling fans. If you look back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, the crowds that, like. Women were everywhere. Yeah. The older women, like, when I was, I lived down in Florida, 
and Florida Championship Wrestling, watching, you know, the fabulous ones and and Sir Oliver Humperdinck and the Shock Troops and Barry Windham and Lex Luger, you know, seeing these guys, you know, out there performing, you'd see these little old ladies, man. Like, mm-hmm. just, oh, you know, oh, you're yeah. just like, whoa. All the way down to the teenage girls that were throwing her panties at them and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like it, yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Like, when there, there was damn near a riot down there because little old lady hit Humperdinck with her cane. Right. Like, and the cops came, or cops were getting ready to take the old lady out. Yeah. No, that next thing I know, there's chairs being thrown. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, that talks about, you know, like the St. Louis booking office and how many people they were drawing on a weekly basis. And you convert that money from 1960s to 70s money, it's freaking huge oh, yeah. what it was today. But he said every booking office was doing that. You know, in the NWA territory, the AWA, the WWF, whatever. You know, he said wrestling was huge, the amount of people that went to see wrestling. Mm-hmm. But now you've got about a million or so that watch AEW. You got about a million two that watch WWE, and they're the loyal people that's going to watch it every mm-hmm. week. Right. But they're not bringing in like you. That's exactly or my vision. The ca- or our, the casual. Because, right. you know, when people flipping through on a Wednesday night and there's the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers are like, yeah, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's like when other promoters are like, they get mad, you know, because people's running down the street or, you know, maybe he gets a, a little, his panties in a wrinkle because so-and-so's running the same show we are or the same day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to attract their fans. Right. I'm not trying to pull from their show. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to build our own fan base, right. pulling in people, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. who, wa- you know, maybe their parents stopped watching it, so now, you know, the younger mm-hmm. kids aren't watching it anymore, right. and pulling them in, or the ones that used to love it, and they, you know, they want to come back and start loving it again. Right. That's that's it right there. Most of, most of the time when I, you know, ask somebody, you know, are you into pro wrestling at all? Uh, not anymore. You yes. know, I used to watch it back in the day. Well, you know, attitude era. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. blah blah. Well, blah. And that's, you know, not to cut you off, but during the attitude era, it it crossed into pop culture. Right. That's why it got so huge. Well, actually, it, it already done that. Well, Hogan but and the rock and wrestling thing in the eighties and yeah. WrestleMania that you know that. Everybody, they, whether they were a wrestling fan or not, knew who Hulk Hogan was. They, 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 they knew who Roddy they, Piper was. Right. They keep you know? saying the same thing. Like, you know, uh, they they just mentioned it, like during that uh, that thing with WrestleMania One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Vince took it out of bars, smoky bar rooms, and this yeah, and that. Yeah. No. When you know there were companies that were selling out stadiums. I think you- Keel Auditorium in St. Louis was selling out. Every, you know, you know, re- Starcade wrestling at the Chase. You, you know, you had, you had Sam Mutnick in in St. Louis. That yeah, like well, it didn't talk about WrestleMania. Remember a little group in Texas that that sold out the freaking <laughs> Von Texas Eric's, Stadium, man. <laughs> you know, Von Eric's back in the eighties, like, even back before WrestleMania. I mean, the David Von Eric Memorial at right at um, Texas Stadium. I mean, the second one, the third one didn't do so well, but that first one with Kerry Von Eric versus Ric Flair. Oh, absolutely. You know, the re- I watched that whole card again here on YouTube 
that you can find it on YouTube. There was a bunch of good matches on that shit. Right. But with WrestleMania, it you had that pop culture piece to it because you had Mr. T in the main event. He, mm-hmm. what, what Vince did was he brought it national. Exactly. Right. And, you know, that way everybody got a little peek inside. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what's going on over here? What's this? Mm-hmm. You know, and that that was the big thing. You know, I'm not saying Vince didn't do wrong. I mean, yeah, Vince, he, he he was all about Vince. He's about making the money. Right. You could you could say Vince Vince made professional wrestling, but he also ruined it because the territories went away. The the territories went away, but I think really? one of the contributing factors to the downfall of territories and everything else, honestly, internet. Yeah. Like I, I truly yeah. believe that, like you, I could well, find. Yeah, because you could have a, you could have, you could, you could be wrestling in Tulsa. I, I could, wa- I could watch wrestling right now on my phone, you right. know. And it's like, why would I go buy a ticket, right? If I can just watch it at my own leisure, right? Or but even, it or goes or back or to even. what Rainer was saying. It's that live experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. I exactly. mean, we went and saw uh, Anthrax and Black Label up in Kansas City, and we went and met. Black Label, obviously, we've got the the signed banner. He's got magazine. I got a CD. But, you know, you can watch a concert on your phone. You can watch it on your TV with your surround. But it's it's that experience of oh, being yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. And You smell the weed in the air. <laughs> <laughs> you pay the $40 for a double uh, Jameson. My first... My first Brad Paisley concert. Switched up a little bit. Brad okay. Paisley, I love Brad Barnett's Paisley. We could watch him, listen to him all over the place. But he did this one time when I went. He walked down the aisle to the middle of the whole, you know, this was like a at auditorium where you got your front row or whatever, and then you had the nosebleeds, right? Mm-hmm. And he went all the way to this little mini, mini just little platform close to the bl- nosebleeds. Right. And he's, he's like, this is for all you people who yeah. spent your last 30 bucks to buy a ticket to come see me. I'm yeah. going to come walk over here and sing a song just for you. I mean, I'm getting like the chills, right? Because yeah. he actually went up there to be right next to them and say, here I am just for you. Right. And, and they got to see him so close. Yeah. And it's see, those experiences. See, as a music fan, I couldn't tell you a single song Brad Paisley sings, but as an artist, that guy can play a guitar. Oh yeah, I, I like fuck it. yeah! <laughs> I mean, he's, mm-hmm. we used to look, we used to watch the CMAs. Not because I mean, I'm, not that I dislike country music. Some of the newer stuff, I'm like, huh. <laughs> but we'd watch the CMAs just because Brad Paisley and. Um, Carrie Underwood? Carrie Underwood were the hosts. Oh, yeah. They yeah. were so good together. Well, you know? I mean, you, you look at the um, um, the insurance commercials with Brad Paisley and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Manning. Um, Peyton Manning. Yeah, Peyton. Yeah. I couldn't remember which yep. Manning. But, I mean, <laughs> he, he got it. He plays the straight guy, but still, he's, he's still funny. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went and saw... Um, I lived out in Phoenix for a while, and I worked a country event, Country Thunder. Winona Judd was the headliner of the whole show. And she was obviously at that time, she was totally anti-man because she pulled this dude up, and he's all like, 
you know, goofy, goofy. And she's like, I've got a better Harley than you could ever think about. And I can ride it better and I can play my guitar better. And, you know, she's just going off. And the guy's just like, but I mean, it's why not a judge? Yep. You know, I mean, there's there's and again, I'm not a big country fan, but I got to see it's that live experience. Mm -hmm. It's it's exactly that. Um, what I don't like are the wrestlers that come in and they just want to come in so they could wrestle. It's like, are you serious right now? You just want to come in so you get a match. Because to me, I'm like, you better want to come in here, one, to make money. Because my thing is, your gimmick is your business. Right. That's my thing. You're the CEO of your own company. That's mm-hmm. your gimmick, right? right? The other thing is, is to get over on the fans. Like, we want you, we want the fans to love you. If you're just coming in here for a match, you can find that down the street. Right. Go do it over there. So if you're not coming in here to to build your business, which mm-hmm. then in turn builds ours too, right. Right. then kick rocks. Yeah. You know, so for, for us, it's like we give them a platform to get ahead. That's what we do. Here's the right. platform, yep. right? We give you every opportunity to, you know, put your business over every time. And that's how I talk to every wrestler. Some of them really engage, like, oh, my God, thank you. They have their merch on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, they're promoting it. They're selling tickets even. They're bringing in everybody, right? Because we give right. them a kickback on tickets. We we have people there to sell their merch for them. Like, I encourage them, like, don't come to my show without your merch. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Do not come to it. Right. And we give them their money and everything. It's like, you know, fatten your envelope. Don't come oh, yeah. here just to get a match. Like, this is a business, too. Right. right. And the guys that get it, get it. Mm-hmm. And they're getting ahead. The right. ones that don't, they're still going to the next corner. Can I get a match? Going to the next, can I get a match? It's like, yeah. we don't want to fuck with you no more. Right. Now, how many How many people do you guys have on a regular basis that's there to uh, tell a story? to further a story, to to keep a storyline going? Mm. <laughs> well, because it's so saturated, yeah, it's hard to run normal storylines. Okay. Mm. Like, I try to make my champions commit to being to where they're supposed to be, mm. you know, like, Okay, look, I need you. F- this is this is our our show dates, mm-hmm. like and like my current champion Jordan Clearwater, he's a very strong up and coming individual who's wrestling for the NWA now, nice. and uh, you know he's traveling all over the country wrestling, right? You know, and he he's one of those guys. You know, he he came in and started working for me and. Like, when I started paying him a little more, he came up like, this is too much. This ain't our deal. Like, <laughs> right. I, and I'm sitting here like, you know, she's the business. I'll let her explain it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, I try to keep I try to keep the guys happy, you know, mm-hmm. so they will come back. Mm-hmm. They will take that extra time. They will make effort to be there, you know, but then I... Guys that I've known for for years, right? Tony, will you never book me? Okay, well, I tell you what, next show up, I'll book you. Oh, night before I got a concussion, I can't wrestle. Yeah, yeah. and, and no wonder why they don't that you don't book him. Right. Yeah. 
and it's like, well, okay, you didn't just cost me one match, you cost me two. Well, we're right. having a major problem with lady wrestlers right now, too, and we're trying to give them a big push. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of female wrestlers out there, you know, that we'd like to get more of them in, and we're having a hard time with them showing up. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it it's like, I don't know if he, anybody's coached here, but, you know, when you have your lineup set the night before, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you have, and in wrestling, it's bigger than that, right? Because we're right. marketing and promoting for a while, yeah. trying, dude, I'm marketing you. Right. I'm putting your face on a billboard, and but, you don't show up. But that's why you put that little disclaimer at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Card, su- <laughs> card subject to change. But if, do exactly. I want to work with that person again? Right. But you know, Are we like, gonna book them again? Yeah. When when yeah. when we bring in like women from Glow, uh-huh. uh, you know the Royal Hawaiian. She's she comes in to our show quite a bit now. Uh, you know, there there is a love for women's wrestling, uh-huh. and for for the girls to pass up on the opportunity to get knowledge from somebody like. The Royal Hawaiian, right? You're like, really? I kind of, you know, I kind of agree with Cornette a little bit on this, and this is nothing against women's wrestling. I, there's some very good, talented women out there that that know how to wrestle. You know, they're not just out there shaking their butt, right? right. Um, but back when I was a kid, when the women came to town, that was a special event. That was like when Andre came to town, right? Or when the midgets came to town, you know, but. When you got a three-hour Monday Night Raw and half the matches are women's matches, it kind of takes away the specialty of it. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, of course it but does. But, I mean, if, if they're all great, that's it, one thing, but they're not. Right. But know? it's not like it. It's not like Glow was either. Right. So, I mean, some of these women are actually, like, going full full force like, like the guys do. Right. Which I'm all for. Right. But you know, I'm I'm in the position now to where I'm like, okay, you don't want your spot. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll bring in somebody that does. Right. Even if they're out of state. Even if they're out of state. <laughs> right. Like I, I I brought a guy in from out of state, and you know I, I wrestled with him. You know, last December mm-hmm. in Illinois, found out he's in New York of all places or Philly. You know, we flew him. You know, got him flown out and. Great, did a great job. But, you know, before the show, you know, he hit me up, you know, a few weeks before the show. I was like, hey, I got this other guy. He wants to come in and, and, and work for you. you. You know, you don't have to pay him, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, he, he's got family in the area, you know, mm-hmm. really like an opportunity to, to perform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of, one, of our, one of our agendas is everybody gets paid. Right. If you're setting up chairs for me, we're gonna give you something like right. You know, my my ring guys. We take care of our, you know our ring guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're you like you said last night that that ring is heavy as shit. That's that, sitting in your shop. <laughs> yeah my my eighteen footer. It's that thing's a monster, man. But you know the the the, the show ring is is a lot simpler than than that big boy. Yeah. A travel so. ring. <laughs> have they have they ever come up with an aluminum post uh, ring yet? Not that I know of. Because I know you know, working in the auto body business, they're, they're doing a lot with aluminum. You know, all the Ford trucks are aluminum and everything, even the structural 
I mean, the frames still steel, but like the new Corvettes have the high strength steel frames and then carbon fiber and, you know, so they're super light, but it's super strong too. It doesn't bend, but it'll break. Yeah. You know, and that's what I've. But when the big guys hit the ropes, will the ring slide? <laughs> well, see, that, that, it's so light. Well, I, I've seen I've seen the seal ring slide when the big guys hit the yeah, ropes too. too. You know, especially in the corners, it's like. Yep. Uh, that almost, ring just shifted three feet. Yeah, yeah. It almost came off of the off the carpeting pad they yeah. had underneath the post. Exactly. You ought to try being in the ring when that happens. Okay. <laughs> hey, can we get? Can we give a plug for independent shows one more time? Because he mentioned something a minute ago, which, you know, Tony mentioned this, which I, I, this is my thing for getting new people in, Mm -hmm. new fans in, is he talked about Jordan Clearwater, you know, an up-and-comer. You know, we see a lot of that in independent shows. We see people who just got it, right? They got it. Brandon Gatson, AJ Mana, they just got, you know, the the look, the the moves and everything where you know they're going to, if they're going to go somewhere, right? Right. In independent shows, you see those kind of guys, but you also see the guys who went up mm-hmm. and are coming back down. And so I go around and I tell the fans, like, go get his autograph. Go mm-hmm. get his autograph. Because you never know when you're sitting right. there watching TV right. and all of a sudden be like, oh, shit, I saw that guy. Like, I well, have his autograph. I have his picture. You know, that's like we were talking earlier. Our, our booking office was out of Tulsa when I was a kid. It was NWA office. Leroy McGurk. I seen I got Ricky Morton's autograph. I got I, I've got a whole folder of, of autographs, right. you know, of guys. And the only one that was famous at the time was Harley Grace. And a lot of these guys went on, yeah. and I'm like going, "He's on WWF now, you know?" Right? Or, I knew or, him or, when. Yeah, oh, I saw him when. I, I visited with him, and now he's on TBS every Saturday. Yeah. You know, the, and, the, this one gets gets frustrated with me. I'm like, you know, SmackDown will be on and be like. Hey, I wrestled that referee. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I trained with that guy. I've been on a show with that guy. I, I know who this guy is. Like, right. we've been on several shows with that guy. And she's just like, ah, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do the whole thing. And you're sitting there watching one guy and go, you used to know how to throw a punch. What the hell? <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd be sitting there like, how come I ain't there? Like, you know, I, yeah. So I, I, the, the the jealousy creeps in. I'm happy for him, mm-hmm. but it's like I want to be there, <laughs> right? But then I think you know, I'm 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 happy. That's like when I asked you last night, is when we're gonna see you on AEW? And what was your response? <laughs> <laughs> I won't ever wrestle for AEW. <laughs> you know, like but, but, I, but, honestly, I would go to Impact Wrestling before I went to AEW. Yeah. Yeah, but in the wrestling business, I've heard him say many times the things he wouldn't do, uh-huh. and he's done. Twenty <laughs> bucks is twenty bucks. But, that, but then again, if they offered me the contract, I would. I was gonna say if you see seven zeros, right? You know, <laughs> ne- never say never, but it wouldn't be your first choice. It wouldn't be my first choice. Not as long as the current EVPs are there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, like, they, they may not be. After the, this whole deal. You, you never know. I mean, it depends how the contracts are really written. Like, so, can so you just if, fire an EVP, you know? So if, uh, let's say, Arn Anderson called you. So we're going to be in California. We need you for a dark match. 
for a kickoff match before the show. Yes, I would do it. There you go. <laughs> You know, I mean, come on, it's Arn Anderson. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you going to say no to double A? Like, you would not say no to the enforcer. That just ain't going to happen. Like, yeah. But, you know, it. just the, the, the way the way they made me feel, mm-hmm. if they make regular fans feel that way. Right. Like, it's like really? Am I, I going to sit here for your shitty V-trigger? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, like. No. <laughs> 3PW may, may be a small company right now. You know, we're based out in Southern California. You mm-hmm. know, we're we're doing our deal. We both have, you know, I have a W-2 job. You know, we mm-hmm. have families. We have a lot of other stuff going on. But I really do feel like we have, you know, we're we're growing the, the seedlings to the next right. level, the next generation mm-hmm. for that will start watching the big shows. I mean, well, it, you know, when the young people need a place like that, mm-hmm. they don't need to be on national television learning on the job. Yes. Right. You know, they need to get that experience. That's, that's right. what I said, you know, the territories are so good because you could, you know, you could wrestle in Tulsa and suck, it, but you're learning. Yep. And then, right. then, you, then you could go to Memphis, Memphis. Yeah. or whatever and, and get a little better and everything. And then a couple of years later, you come back through Tulsa for six months and you're this fucking champion, you know. And then, then you get signed to the big contract. Right, but but you know now, like you said, with the internet, even if you wrestle for your organization, somebody's videotaping it, right? Right. And they know it's like, well, this guy was here, so and now he's two counties over or whatever. You know, they know what he done with you guys, so they got to be pretty ready even to wrestle in a small organization. But yeah. they're still learning, yep. you know. Yep, absolutely. You know, and it. There was uh, the generation for a while that it was just like, I want this and I want this now, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to work for it. Right. And uh, Randy Orton, okay, prime mm-hmm. example. Because of who he was, he was down at um, OVH. OVW. Or OVW for a short period of time. And when he came up to the big show, or the, the big time, if you will, yeah. he wasn't ready. And I mean, he, the his character arc was just like all over the place, and it wasn't until he had that match with, um, I want to say it was Mick Foley, when he became the Legend Killer, mm-hmm. and Mick Foley allowed him to spit in his face. I mean, because that, I don't give a shit who the fuck you are. Actually, that was Harley. He spit in Harley's face, That's, ringside. Yes, as the legend killer. I told you he knows his history. What? Well, because <laughs> well, no, Randy. Randy talked about it, um, and it 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 was during the match with Mick Foley that he that Mick Foley allowed him to spit in his face. That, that's what I'm talking. I'm not saying he, he right, did. Right, right, right. I'm just that, saying. Well, the, that 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 whole character when he, that whole yeah. character shift that was that was amazing to watch. Yeah. When. When you finally find that thing that's going to get you over, yes, it, it is so cool. So, like, my first wrestling gimmick was a redneck gimmick. You know, I got the, I can slur my words a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, can, I can get down there and I'd talk brought, like this if I need to. Brought the cowbell to the ring. Oh, brought yeah, the cowbell, the black big black hat, you know, had the blonde hair going underneath. Sexy. So, you know, <laughs> it, and it, in California, it was funny because I actually had people come up. 
are you related to Dusty Rhodes? And, you know, to me, that that was uh-huh. just, uh-huh. you know, just thinking about that gives me goosebumps. Right. And, you know, it'd be like, nah, I'm, I'm not related to Dusty Rhodes. But, yeah. you know. But, but I did play him on TV once. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I moved from California back to the Midwest, you know, the promoters that I'm talking to are like, yeah, you can't do a redneck gimmick out here. It's overdone. Right. Right. Everybody out here is a redneck. Right. You know, everybody out here is a country boy. You know, you just, it, it don't get over. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. you know. Everybody, everybody sitting ringside looks just like you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I had to do some scheming and, you know, I'm, I'm a big man wrestling fan. You got your Bam Bams, you got your your, your Vader, mm-hmm. but the one that's always overlooked is Ray Trailer, oh, the big yeah. boss, big man. boss man. Yep. You know, so I just happened to be working for Polk County Sheriff's Office, <laughs> <laughs> and said, "You know what? I didn't. Anybody got an old shirt?" One of the one of the fellows had one of the older shirts, and right. I'm like, "All right, cut the cut the sleeves off of it, and name tag off." Got me a nightstick, and got a new character. Locked down Tony Ray's. There it is. And it was like, it. At first, there was oh, you know, discount big boss man, you know, right. Kmart Kmart boss man, you know. Yeah. Walmart boss man, stuff like yeah. that. And you're just like, mm. but I made the character enough of mine, an, a, right. enough of me. Uh-huh. You know, would I use the sidewalk slam? Yeah. Right. But I did it my way. You know, I put it in the ring when I wanted to use it. Mm. I didn't use it as a finisher. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, some of his other stuff I, I would do. And then. I would use a small and drop as a finisher. Uh, and they're looking at me like, well, that don't make sense. You're not Samoan. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's redneck drop. Uh, you know, they're, oh, it's not a small drop. No, it's a redneck drop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just a good old boy working in country jail, you know, like, yeah. and you know, the, you know, it, I started wrestling in uh, up in St. Louis in the St. Louis area, and my first set of shirts were the bright orange T-shirts, and had locked down Tony Ray's up here in the pocket, and you know, same thing on the back, just bigger, mm-hmm. and like sold out of them, like just right. <laughs> just like that. And I'm like. I might have something here with the orange shirts, you know. Yeah. Where are my inmates at, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. There you go, yeah. And people just, it, it, I, t- I took pool noodles, and I cut it, spray-painted them, glued them together. Now I had little nightsticks. So for that $2 pool noodle, I'm making 15 20 bucks off of 2 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... Those things were selling. I'd go to the, the dollar store and I'd pick up the little plastic handcuffs. Uh-huh. You know, 
buck a piece. I'm selling them for five. Like, you know, and these kids, the kids want something from the show. Yeah. Right. So can, can I get these handcuffs? Let me get the handcuffs and nice sticks, you know, and. They go beat crap out of each other. Next thing, next thing you know, you see, like nice sticks floating. You know, my pool noodles floating around the, the audience, and you're like, "Man, I'm getting over with this. This is yeah. cool." Yeah, no kidding. But I'm still a bad guy. All right. Like, bad guys don't sell merch. How's this working? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I think that all changed with the NWO. Oh, absolutely. But you know, that was when the heels started. You know that and and uh, the Stone Cold. The anti-establishment, the, yeah. The Stone Cold, he never changed his character from the badass, everything when he first started at Fast Stone Cold, and he was, you know, had the feud with Pillman and all that, and everybody hated him. But when he wrestled uh, Bret Hart in the I Quit match, and he's bleeding out in the middle of the ring, trapped in a sharpshooter and didn't quit, but passed out. Right. The fans were cheering him and not Bret Hart. Yeah. You know, that's you know, that's when I seen the heels. Then all of a sudden, his shirts blew up. NWO shirts. Hell, you couldn't go to fucking Walmart in Buffalo no. without seeing an NWO shirt. <laughs> you know. Look at the silliest shit, DX. Yeah. Suck it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it. Yeah. Suck it. Shirts everywhere, and you're like. Say it one more time. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many guys still to this day? We'll do the the whole yeah. DX. <laughs> you see it in NFL. Yeah. You see it in baseball. I know, may or may not have seen it at three thirty this morning in the kitchen here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys did leave a little early last night. It, it may have happened last night in the ring. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> let's see. No, it, it was. I, it I was, was telling him on the way home. I was like, "Fuck! I wish we had more time, and I wish Tony and I had, had more time before." And when the band went on a break, I could have got up in the ring and called out my old buddy Tony, ducking me for 15 years. (laughs) Well, and we we talked about it. It's like if if it could have been like predetermined, because we came in through the garage, Uh and him just immediately with a megaphone, a la mouth of the south, (laughs) get up in the ring while the band is playing. And just start yelling at you before going in and meeting everybody. No, just standing up in the ring, calling you out. That would have sold because like nobody knew who we were. Right, walking right. in there, um, and it was just been like people there be like, "Oh shit, his jobs followed him home." <laughs> it, well, it was funny because if, if if you look, my my nephews and and a few of my my sons were when he came up and you know. Wrap me up, uh, like you see him looking over the table, like what's gonna happen? <laughs> Is Dad okay? Unk, you all right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, you know, it was it, it was it was definitely a big surprise to see you, and it was. I I love this right here. This is awesome, this is, man. Yeah. We we haven't we haven't had a good conversation and talk like oh, this in years. Years, yeah. It was well, funny. The wife called me. Or actually, she texted me. When we got back in the car, I looked at my phone. She texted me and said, bring me something to eat. I need, I've got a, a sweet tooth. You know? So I called her. She's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, me and Tony just done an hour of Broadway. 
She was like, no, you didn't. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, um, I think she was a little bit worried that that might happen. That, we, that we'd get in a ring and fuck around. <laughs> she was, don't end up in the hospital. I'm like, right? <laughs> I never know when he's telling the truth. <laughs> it did give us about a half a chubby, though. Just when we walked out, we reached up and grabbed the rope and went, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, you know. Um, my, my whole goal with that is, you know, my, my daughter wrestles, uh, well, she started to wrestle and then she started popping out kids. Uh, you know, my son-in-law, he wrestles. I'll, I'll show you a great video later of that. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it was a rocky start when they first started to get together. Uh, well, I mean, how would you feel if you're a pro wrestler? And your daughter starts hooking up with the guy that, you know, you're wrestling with. Or whatever. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. Right? Okay, let's take it a step further. You're the largest promoter in the world. You're going to kayfabe this storyline where your daughter is going to get with this wrestler. And then that storyline becomes reality. And now they're the ones that run that company. The, the, the funny thing about that is they were already married when that storyline came through. Really? Because I know, I know, like, Macho and Elizabeth, they were, they had been married before right. they got married. Uh, I don't know why I did air quotes. We're not fucking... <laughs> this here. is radio. Yeah. Um, when, they, when they got married at, I, what was it, WrestleMania or something like that? Six? Something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. I... I it didn't show you how popular wrestling was then. That was almost as big as Charles and Diana's wedding. Right. Oh, you God, know, yeah. I mean, everybody no was tuning into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. Holy shit. I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, the everything was white and gold. And, I mean, they had, um, they had a big atrium in the ring. And it wasn't like some of the other weddings where somebody comes in and crashes it. No. No, because that's usually what happens, kind of like a contract signing. Yeah, but with the the macho and the Elizabeth, no, nobody even thought about crashing that because macho was very, very real life protective of Liz, mm -hmm. and even after they got divorced, um, he was still pretty protective of her. Well, Flair said on his podcast that that was basically the end of Macho Man. He just never was the same after their divorce. Mm -hmm. Losing Liz, he lost half his soul. Yeah. You know, especially when she died. Oh. When she was with Luger. Yep. And uh, he said the divorce was rough on him, but when she died, he said that was just, you know, and it wasn't long after that that he died. Just a few years. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he had the heart attack driving mm -hmm. his Jeep. Yeah. And he had just reconnected uh, with his high school sweetheart. Mm. Um, yeah. Useless information. He also was signed. He was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals and played for them in their minor league system for a while. And the Cincinnati Reds. And as a matter of fact, he got the name Savage while playing for the Cardinals minor league team mm -hmm. because he played like a savage. Mm -hmm. Don't come at me with the, oh, no. with, with the macho man stuff here. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't get me started. Let me <laughs> tell you something, mean Gene. Oh, Hitman, you just go. I'm going to tell you what, Hitman. This is all making sense now when he talks to me like this. Oh, shit. Space is the place, man. Now, I get I get people, you know, not not part of the wrestling world at all, but they go back and they see videos and they're like, was that a real snake? <laughs> <laughs> when Sav when Jake the Snake had Savage tied up and the Cobra bidding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like to to hear Jake tell the story. Right. And to hear him tell it live in person. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like on the edge of your seat, like, whoa. So was he, what was he talking about whenever backstage before he's like, You defanged it, right? He's like, Yes, it's been defanged. Okay, well what you're gonna do is you're gonna let the snake bite you. <laughs> and then you're not gonna take an ibuprofen, you're not gonna take any medicine, you're just gonna sit there and we're gonna make sure you're okay. So Jake did. But it pissed Jake off. So Jake smacked the shit out of Snake on his way out to the ring. Got it nice and happy. Mm-hmm. Pissed that snake off and sure as shit. That thing didn't want to let go. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see Botch like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> And, you know, Piper didn't want nothing to, that, nothing to do with that thing. <laughs> Fuck no. See, I'd have been out on that deal. They'd have been like, okay, you're in the main event with Jake Snake. I'm like, nope. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'll take the DDT, but if he dumps a snake on me, then I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, and because before that, it was just a python. Right. You're right. And it was, it, that was, because the python was, the first one was Damien, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, they were they're, all named Damien, but well, I thought the I thought the cobra had a different name because clearly you could see that hey, that's not a python, right? You know, now, the, didn't Jake hate snakes too? Like he, oh yeah, he he never messed with snakes before in his life. He was like really until, scared of them until Vince goes, okay, this is what you're gonna wear. You're gonna wear some snakeskin boots, and you're gonna get get your snake, and you're gonna come out to the ring with a snake. I'm going to come out the ring with what? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, did you see your paycheck? Yeah, God damn it. (laughs) Right. But, you know, and that's the thing is Vince had his hits, but he also had his fucking misses. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jake the Snake Roberts. See, Jake was Jake the Snake before he ever went to WWE or WWF. He was Jake the Snake because I remember seeing old wrestling magazines from like Memphis and Mid South. But he never had a snake. Never had the snake. Right. It was just, you know, he Jake, was just Jake and Snake, you know. Yeah. He was, there, and he, and he, he was always a heel, so he was the snake, you know. There was something about that man that would just look at you. Yeah. And like, he wouldn't even look at you, he'd look through you. Yeah. And it'd just like almost take your soul with you and yeah. you're just like, damn. That's nuts. Right. Like, I remember being a little kid being scared as hell, Jake the Snake Roberts. Right. You know? You preach about your John 6, 3, 16. <laughs> John 3, 16. Yeah. But Austin 3, 16 says, I just whooped your ass, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Was it his snake? 
I don't think so. Uh, I know he traveled. I, I know there was a bunch of different snakes. Cornette he, talked they, about it on his podcast one time, and they, wherever that town they were going or something, or the pet store would supply a snake. or I've, I can't remember the exact Jake had story. talked about um, when he was living with DDP and he was getting clean and everything. He, he talked about um, he would travel. Right. And it was in a duffel bag. Or yeah, something. and he would put that motherfucker in the the bathtub, bathtub. get to the hotel, snake in the bathtub, Shut door the gets closed. He and, didn't want nothing to do with it. Fuck no. And he wouldn't tell nobody about it either. Everybody would come in. Where's Damien? Ah, he, yeah, he's put away. My my favorite story is when Damien got out at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> Jesus, they went ape shit. <laughs> like, oh, I bet. Not in the airplane, though, right? No. <laughs> Tired like, of these motherfucking snakes in his motherfucking, motherfucking plane. plane. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but I know that line. I know, right? <laughs> Me too, dude. I, I've never watched the movie because I don't like snakes. I'm like, I can't even imagine being on a plane with fucking snakes all over it. <laughs> but parachute? Fuck it. I don't give a I'm fuck. Done. I'm flapping my arms. <laughs> I'm looking for a lake. <laughs> I got a 50-50 chance. Well, there was, um, you know, and then, like, I uh, what was it? Uh, I.C. Yankum or... Uh, Dr. Isaac Yankum. Oh, yeah. The yes. I mean, that was the, the ringmaster, the mm-hmm. wizard. And, I mean, th- some of the shit was just fucking, what the fuck are you talking about? But then... That's kind of when WCW started taking over because it was presenting the, the southern the wrestling. Real, people wanted the real action. Right. Yeah. Not right. a cartoon character. Right. And Vince wanted to bring in, wanted to capitalize on the family entertainment, the, the kids and, mm-hmm. Doink, and stuff like that. Coco Beware. Yeah, I mean, right. they're very colorful, very family friendly. And, you know, if you think about it, Steve Austin was the ringmaster. And he went on to become, you know, one of those that people like to put on the Mount Rushmore. Right. The wizard went on to become Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Kevin Nash, one of the longest. What did he have? He had a, a year, a year straight with the title. Come on, man. Don't yeah. be talking smack on Vinny Vegas. No. <laughs> oh God! Um, you know, I see. Uh, that's, that's to tell you, WCW had some really cool ideas too. Yeah, Isaac Yankin became terrorizing. You know, Isaac Yankin became known as the Big Red Machine, right? And now he's the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Yep. Um, you know, uh, they, it, I seen a deal on Facebook. It said everybody talks about the three faces of Foley, so nobody talks about the three faces of Kane. You had Kane, you had corporate Kane, then you have Mayor. Yeah, Mayor <laughs> Kane. Um, and, and for being a big man, he was. I mean, they, Isaac Yankum. Oh shit, we just lost Kevin Ash and Scott Hall. All right, you're gonna be the fake Diesel, and it's like, yeah, that went over like a fucking turd in a punch bowl. No, oh, I couldn't believe that Jim Ross even had to try to sell that. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, he, that was his what little little heel turn, right? For about a month. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't last long at all. But you know, 
again, it's improv. It's trial and error. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See what works. See what doesn't work. Or there's so somebody gave me an analogy of throwing spaghetti on the wall. Let's see what sticks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so on your shows, about how many matches do you usually book? We we usually run six matches on on the card. Mm-hmm. You know that gives me a little bit of room if you know somebody shows up that I should book. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know what? I can put you on the card, no problem. Right. <laughs> you know, right. um, if the matches go short, I can always say, "All right, hey, let's do a battle royal or something at the end." Get right. you know, right, and stretch this out a little bit. Um, do you give them? As as a booker, do you go okay? You guys are going twenty minutes, yeah. Or so you I, can kind of keep the show scheduled, right? I mean, we 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 film everything, but we're not on any set time schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely try to keep it. I, I definitely keep our shows well under three hours, right? Because I mean, that's just way too long. You just so, wear people out. Right, yeah. so you know, two hours, two and a half hours, mm-hmm. is just about right because you know you got about an hour of wrestling, fifteen twenty minute intermission. You mm-hmm. know, try to get people to buy your, the, the the gimmicks and you know the snack bar. Let the yeah. bar do good. Let's you know, right. Try to get them in a buying mood, and then you know, two more matches we'll take it home. You know, and then we do a big fifty fifty raffle at the end, so that way nice. everybody's there. Till the money's gone. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, a, a lot of places, you know, okay, yeah, they they might do a 50-50, but they'll do it early. But the people that came to see wrestle already wrestled, so the money's done. Why am I still here? Huh. And then you see this. That kind of sounds you, like shows that we've done in the past. Yeah, then you see, this, you see this main event that's going to be a five-star main event. But did anybody see it? Half the crowd's still there. Yeah. When we were doing shows in Springfield, we were headlining, and we'd have these bands come and open up for us, and they would bring a big crowd, and it's like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And then when they would get off the stage, they would leave, and the crowd would leave with them. And it's like... We hadn't really built the following, but that's just... We got booked as headliners. Mm -hmm. It's like... Right off the bat. Okay. You know, I'd rather go open for Naked Zoo. Yeah. A bunch of the popular bands. That way everybody's going to see us. And then maybe some of them will come see us next time. You know? I, when we opened up for Jackal, that was... Oh, God. That, that was, was... It was fucking amazing down in Branson. Um, I couldn't play through the PA because Jackal had put uh, stage extensions over the house subs. So my bass, you couldn't hear it going through the house sound. So I unplugged from the fucking board and I just cranked my fucking amp up. And then I had to tell the sound guy, I need more guitar in my monitors. I can't hear these guys. <laughs> Cause I couldn't, I mean, I right. just, it was my bass amp coming out, but with our song, fuck you by the second chorus, they're singing back to us. The, the originals that we were doing by the second chorus, the crowd was singing back to us. Yeah. And it's like, this is fucking amazing. And then we're tearing down and Ann comes up and says, Hey, you guys are needed up front. And it's like, Oh, fuck well, this me. was after Jackal. Yeah. We'd already packed up and everything. We stayed and watched Jackal. And 
the show was over and I ran into somebody new from halfway and she's like, I can't believe I actually come to a show and knew somebody on stage, you know, <laughs> she's freaking out. And Anne comes up and she goes, you're needed up front. I'm like, why? We've already packed our shit up and everything. She goes, no, you guys are signing autographs. I'm like, nice. what? <laughs> you know? And we had a little merch table. We had some t-shirts and our CD and we didn't sell shit because people spent their money on jackal stuff. Right. Of course. But we signed their shit. <laughs> and we signed tickets and we signed a few boobies and you know it was fucking awesome don't look at me in that tone of voice um eye rolling <laughs> there i was in i was in west plains and impact was was in or tna at the mm-hmm. time we just did the show in springfield right and i went to help set up the west plains show the next day mm-hmm. and um it was funny because, you know, of course, I got my gear out in the car just in case. You never know. Right, right. right. Like I would. Come on, let me in. Yeah. Like, and I'm standing there with the athletic commissioner, um, Carl Lauer. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of Carl Lauer is D'Lo Brown. And this is before we, you know, became friends and and everything. And he says, you know, a fan camp comes up to me. Because I've, I've actually wrestled in West Plains a couple of times. Right. Van comes up to me and goes, Tony Rays, what's going on, man? Are you, are you in TNA now? No, I'm just here helping out. Mm-hmm. Opens up their little promo book. Flips it to the back page, you know, it's blank. You signed my book. So, you know, lock down Tony Rays, you know. Be good or I'll bust you, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I look over, you know, get Dale Brown standing right there, and this guy's asking me for my autograph, right? Right. And, you know, the, the, the guy walks away, and, you know, I start stepping away, and I hear Dito lean over to Carl Lauer. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> fucking that that's that's amazing you know it it, it means as, as a performer um you know or wrestler in in your case you know just having somebody come up and ask you for an autograph there's no feeling like it uh-uh. you know i if you happen to use the restroom here you will see something very special um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Old Marine Corps. Hello, darling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> old Marine Corps buddy of mine. Uh, we got in contact. We had lost contact. Like last time I saw him was in 1993, and we had gotten back in contact last year. Mm-hmm. He was a big fan of ours, and um, when we released the CD, we signed the CD and we sent it to him down in Florida, and he's got this fucking big-ass picture of all the bands he's ever met. Uh, Machine Head and, you know, everybody else. Directly right in the center is our CD, signed. This guy, we we had been talking, and last 4th of July for Amanda's birthday, Blindside was supposed to play again. You know, we were going to... The plan was to get the band back together, kind of. Well, it ended up being James and I. Uh, we were playing to the to our CD, 
but we were actually playing. Dwight and his wife and his son flew up here from Florida to see us play. We signed our set list. We gave it to him. I went I, I to... I thought he was going to cry when we did that. Yeah. You know, I signed the set list, and he's like, dude, this is going on my memorial, man. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I got down there in September of last year. I spent a week with him. And sure enough, middle of this fucking thing is our signed set list. And it's like, you know me. We, we you know, we were in school in California together. But to have us in the center of this thing around all these more famous bands and everything, it's just like, that's fucking cool. That's real cool. And um, we did a, a a slight little photo shoot on the beach. I produced calendars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But isn't that what makes it more special for him? Because I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, like, um, and anybody that I know, like, if I know you or feel like I have a connection for you and then you do something great like that, it yeah. makes it that more special. And it, it's that connect goes back to that connection mm-hmm. again, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. And well, let's, let's, like I said, at the start of this podcast, we've done how many episodes? I've never been nervous at all, you know? You know, even being on film, knowing this is going to be out there. we w- I watched one of our podcasts on the 65-inch TV off of YouTube the other day. He's just like, fuck, we're on TV, man. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> when but, when, our, but, when but, our podcast got uploaded to Spotify for the first time, you know, I, I fucking took a screenshot of that shit. Yeah. It's like our podcast, Joe Rogan, and it's like, we've, we're the fucking shit now. <laughs> <laughs> but To our tens this podcast, of listeners. This podcast here, even though I've known Tony for... 25, 30 years, I was legit nervous when I sat down before we hit record. Because I was like going, yeah, I got a famous guy here. You know? <laughs> you are legitimately our first celebrity. <laughs> that's that's awesome. And like like James was saying, you know, when you guys get back out to California and you want to bullshit, you want to pimp something, you want to do anything, we can... We have done this with uh, Howie and Dwight. Dwight over the phone, through the board. And I mean, this sounds a little bit different from being live on the microphone. Right. But you're right there with us. You get to hear the... <laughs> you know, <laughs> the applause, the laughter. Shut up. There we go. <laughs> I mean, you, you get to hear it all. Yeah. And it, it's, you know... You know how you can put your speaker on your phone and we can sit here and talk to somebody in another state or whatever. Yeah. This is way better because the sound quality is so much better right. because we've got on the headsets and microphones right. and stuff. And yeah, it's just like you're in the room. We just can't see you. So right. you, got, you got a big show coming up and want to promote a little bit or? Actually, we do. Uh, Anaheim American Legion, uh, post uh, 72, October 15th, 7 p.m. Speaking of Jordan Clearwater, me and him have had some issues, but currently I am suspended from active competition Uh-oh. in 3PWA. some reason or another, Commissioner D'Lo Brown decided to put me in the corner. Mm. 
What'd you do to Devo? Well, I kind of lost my temper and I put somebody through a table and oh. you know, being a family friendly show and out through the audience, through the crowd. Lost my, you know, I'm I'm part of a tag team, you know, the heavy hitters, and mm-hmm. we lost our number one contendership, and, and you know, he basically said, "Look, just you know, go on before you do anything that you're gonna regret." So I did what any man would do. I started to walk away, and I thought better of it, and went and put the little kid through the table. <laughs> I had to do it. Yep. Uh, ever since then, me and Jordan Clearwater have had our issues, and there may be a non-sanctioned match coming up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What? Wow. Lights out so, match, maybe. Since it's since it's unsanctioned, the commissioner can't stop it. So. We'll see what happens. There you go. You didn't discuss this with me. Oh. <laughs> Is there a little Shoot. tension in the room here now? We have to talk about this offline. Ooh. That's a long trip. <laughs> yeah, that one's better. <laughs> uh, Sounds like it's so, going to be, be a long trip back to California. No, it just might be. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Best time to talk to a man is when you're on a road trip. Uh-huh. You're stuck in that car. Can't and get, away. get away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to pay attention to the road type, sweetie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm driving here. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't talk to you. I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put my AirPods no, in. No, it's my thing. hearing loss from one down. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can't hear I, I, I used to have airplanes land on my head all the time. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a great show though we're looking forward to it it's technically the last one of the season you know mm-hmm. the year and then we take a break november december cool. so um you know my pitch is anybody who's never been to a show this is the one you want to be to you want to go right. to this and we make it fun like cool. th- that's absolutely the thing everybody who comes they have a hell of a good time it's a damn good show so don't hesitate. You can find us on Eventbrite, you know, Facebook, Instagram. Get your tickets. You go to the American Legion, get your tickets there. You get pre-sale price if you do that. Or you know what? Hit up one of your favorite wrestlers and buy a ticket from them directly. Um, it goes a long way, too. So either way, just come to the show. And a portion of the proceeds is helping the American Legion. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that particular legion has recently replaced their roof. Uh. And... Beginning of the year, we did a fundraiser for them to help pay for that, and mm-hmm. so they're they're on their way to trying to pay, pay that off. pay that off. Right, so right. They use some yeah. borrowed money to do that. So, yeah. Any chance we can see you guys in Missouri? Never say never. You know, I do. I, I do have good connections with a show that actually runs in Springfield now, uh, Mid States Wrestling. Having to get my license out here again, that would be mm. okay. Yeah, you've told us Missouri's 
the, athletic commissions kind of they're 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 pretty. You know, you got you go through the physical and mm-hmm. nine yards. You know, blood pressure up, blood pressure down. You know, make sure you ain't gonna die in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, and that stuff still happens. So yeah, right. You know, but I de- definitely never say never because I definitely want to do one more run out here mm-hmm. before I hang up my boots. Um, my I would love to have my WrestleMania moment, whether it being just to wrestle in front of a live crowd in Japan. Yeah. You know, that's, that's been my, one of my goals as I always wanted to go back to Japan to wrestle. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, they treat wrestlers over there like gods. Oh yeah. And you know, I seen it firsthand and like when cops come up and go, Oh, Titan, oh, autograph. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, Wow, cool. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's a totally different ballgame for the fans over there. Right. I mean, it's they treat it like a sport that yeah. it should be because it is. I mean, because what you guys do, because I've heard people say, oh, you know, there's like glorified stuff. And I was like, no, you, you got a real, or they're actors. I've heard that before. And I'm like going, okay. So if name an actor in a movie and a dangerous spot comes up, cut. Then comes the stuntman. You guys can't do that. Right. And in a, in a movie fight, I'm going to punch you from back here and not get within three foot of your face, but the camera angle is going to make it look like I clocked you. You can't do that either. Nope. Because you're surrounded on all, all, all sides. All four sides, yep. And then if you got TV involved, somebody's videoing it too. Absolutely. And so it's got to look good. And if it don't, they'll let you know. Oh, yeah. You know. I, I seen some shit on Wednesday night. It was Jericho and Claudio Castanoli for the ROH championship. Jericho threw a jab that was a foot away from Castanoli. And Castanoli's like, okay, I got to do this. Am I supposed to sell this? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you guys are both incredible wrestlers. What the fuck happened there? <laughs> you, know? it, you you see that quite a bit on that particular program. And I've, I've never seen a wrestling show where you see them get their color like I have on that program. It's like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever see Ric Flair get color? Oh, yeah. Did you, I mean, did you see him do it? <laughs> nope. That's what I'm saying. He bled every fucking night, but nobody oh, yeah. ever seen it. Yeah, you never know. You never know when he did it. Well, and we were talking. Uh, speaking about color, we were talking about that, and you you can tell when somebody makes color and somebody gets color. Oh yeah. When uh, you had mentioned it earlier, Stone Cold. Uh, when Bret Hart busted him open and had him in the uh, sharpshooter, sharpshooter, and he passed out. That's real fucking blood. Mm-hmm. Because with Flair, if he got color early on in the match, further on into the match, it's going to dry up. Right. But I mean, when you're busted open, it 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 doesn't just dry up. There. Is an art, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go into too many details, right? right. Um, 
You're a magician. Don't give away the secrets. You know, there. I've I've wrestled a guy in a cage match that used fake blood. Oh shit. No. no, no. See, I heard Cornette talk about that one time. He said back, he said, especially in Memphis, he said the crowd would go up to the ring after the matches and soak their flyer in the blood mm-hmm. and stuff. And he said, and you can tell the difference between clean. real and fake blood. Right. He said they'd done a spot with rock and roll where they was going to drop Ricky over his racket and he's going to bleed from the mouth. You know, Internal injuries crushed his throat. Right. He said that was Ricky's blood that he had drew blood earlier that morning and had it in a condom. Right. Oh, you know, it, it, it wasn't a blood capsule. He said because the fans in fucking Memphis wouldn't let you get away with that shit. Right. It was like say they'd take their flyer or whatever, and it's like you know they get a memento from the matches. They'd have a blood stain on their flyer, you know. Yeah. And I remember once we were sitting ringside, and I don't remember what who the match was, but. They were bleeding pretty bad. When we got home, mom had white pants on. They had blood, blood drops all over her pants. <laughs> Where the guy had slung his hair and it went on her legs, you know. Splattered. Yeah. When, when, one of the first matches I recall seeing live was actually Luger and Wyndham mm-hmm. in a steel cage. And when Wyndham hit the cage and, you know, I'm in the front row. Mm-hmm. So... You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Now you'd be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, like, AIDS, COVID. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then you didn't, you didn't know what was what, you know, especially right. I'm a little kid, yeah. you know, I'm like, I got blood on me. Cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> I remember, I can't remember which Japanese, he was a manager, but he was known for throwing salt. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. No, it wasn't Fuji because it was here local. I don't, don't ever oh. seen Fuji here. I can't remember who it was. This this hundred years ago. Anyway, we were leaving that night. Of course, we're sitting in front row. I look down and there's a baggie that was taped up. And I'm like, did he really salt and picked it up? And he tore it and dumped the salt in his hand and threw it. And I'm like, it's fucking salt. He really fucking threw salt. <laughs> You know, so, so some of those things. Yeah, are, I, I remember a, a match too, where the manager came in and done the ether on the on the towel, mm-hmm. wrapped it around the guy's face, knocked him out, and when the referee was detained, you know, you could smell ether all over the fucking Shrine Mosque. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cornette talked about they done that with the Fantastics one time, and Bobby fucked up and took a breath right as he was putting the towel around him, and really went out. <laughs> and said what was bad about it he said I think it was in Memphis he said they were leaving and Bobby was out back laying on his belly puking and they're stepping over him going yeah fuck you Bobby you know <laughs> there was fans out there and they're you know and he said they wanted to fucking kill us for real <laughs> you know we just hurt their baby face I I got I was in a uh, I was in a battle royal and I took a an insecurity kick to the back of my head mm-hmm. and rung my bell. Mm-hmm. Like, I dropped. Out on my feet. We were the last two in the Battle Royal. 
dude blasted me super hard. You know, he's, he's like a cop down in Arkansas somewhere. Right. <laughs> you know, and like, I mean, I'm out. And I felt him pick me up. You know, I got my feet barely under me, you know, over the top rope. Show's over. I couldn't get up. I couldn't move. <sighs> Here I am. Lights are dimmed. I'm, try, you know, I'm trying to get my senses, you know. Right. And fans are walking out. Like, you think he's hurt? Fuck yeah, I'm hurt. Finally, a referee comes over like, oh, shit, he's hurt. <laughs> like, you know, finally <laughs> helping me to the bag. <laughs> Talk about being punch drunk, you know. Oh, yeah. But to be able to finish a match in that condition. Did, did you ever get, like, concussed in the middle and not really remember the rest of the match? But you can... Um, <laughs> Joe Goldberg talks about that when he defended against DDP. He hit the ring post, and then DDP hit the hit the diamond cutter on him, and he was supposed to kick out at two and a half, and he kicked out at one. Do you, do you know who, have you ever seen the movie Nacho Libre? Yes. The El Snowflake, the only black guy in the movie. Yeah. He goes by the human tornado, right? Like, I've known this guy for, for a long time. We, we were set to wrestle each other, and coming up, you know, at the time we were, me and, me and Biggie Biggs were tag team champions at UEW. And uh, him and another guy were set to come after us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, singles match and the match is going on. And he starts choking me with a shirt. But he really started choking me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have a chance to get my hand up, you know, mm-hmm. to protect myself or anything. So, I mean, I was kind of starting to go dim but it 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 brought up some uh some ptsd uh, that i experienced you know mm-hmm. in when i was in the navy and uh i couldn't understand what was going on uh, like it, it 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 hit me with such a, a strong i'm gonna die if i don't do something like kind of you know my i could like i couldn't function Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew I was still in a wrestling match, but I had no idea where the hell I was. Right. Time ceased to, you know, exist, and I'm just walking through the motions. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I know I'm supposed to, you know, the, the match is supposed to end. You know that his partner's supposed to come out. They're supposed to jump me, and you know. That's happening. And, you know, the other guy, I wrestled the other guy, you know, a million times, you know. (laughs) And I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. Well, you're triggered. You know. Anybody who's experienced PTSD, I mean, you're not, you're not there anymore. You're back to when that trauma happened for that moment, right? Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Put myself where, where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. You know, and I've, I finally came to enough to, you know, like, 
to, to tell Jimmy, I'm like, dude, get the fuck off me. So finally got, you know, they both finally stopped and mm-hmm. kind of pushed me out of the ring, right? Right. I'm down on the side of the ring, and I'm laying there, and I can't move. Wow. You know, and I'm, I got memories flowing through that I hadn't thought about in 20, 30 years. Right. Right? I got, and now I'm angry. I'm so mad and I can't move and I'm what do I do? Mm-hmm. And you know, of course here comes the referee, you know, the referees and you know the sound guy dude, are you okay? And they're trying to pick me up. They can't get me up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm psychologically just not fucking there. Right. And then all of a sudden I got warm. Like just this this feeling just came over me like I'm gonna fucking kill something. Mm-hmm. And I stood up, I walked through the curtain, went through the next door frame, I hit the door frame, and I actually split the door frame in half. <laughs> we were at a at a VFW in, in, in California, and I kicked the back door open, turned around, and I waited for for tornado to come out because I was gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. <laughs> like, I was going to fucking kill him. Yeah. That's where my head was. Mm-hmm. And he never came out, never came out. Boom. I decided I'm going to go in and get him. So as I'm going in, now here comes, you know, four or five wrestlers. Tony, 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 <laughs> you know. Right. Out to the alley we go, you know, like, you know, got people trying to talk to me and I'm just like I'm freaking out mm-hmm. you know next day I'm sitting on the beach getting ready to take a swim and not come back mm. and that was very very hard for me very difficult for me oh, man. you know and what, what were my choices All right you know, got a phone call. My daughter coming home for dinner. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, might not be home for a while. You know, mm. and of course, you know, I'm hearing the baby scream in the background. Well, I made dinner. Blah blah blah. You should come home. Next next day, you know, I went home. Next day, Raina here, you know, took me to the VA hospital, and we started researching shit and started getting help. Right. And, you know, at that point, it was like if my story can help somebody else, right. just to even identify the fact that you got something wrong with you, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks. I don't like, I, when it comes to speaking like this and speaking from the heart and, and knowing what happened to me, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Right. But when it comes down to it, if my experience will help somebody else to find the help right. 
instead of being a number, mm-hmm. you know, like the 22, I, you know, yeah. I, I'd rather speak about it than, than do it, you know? Right. So, yeah. But so to answer your question, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that, that is, um, that's tough. It, it, it is. It you know, like I said, it, it sucks. Yeah. You know. The the I think the worst part about it is you know the VA wants to help, and you start messing with the medications, and you start trying to figure <clears throat> figure stuff out, and sometimes that routing ain't the best. So right. you you figure it out, you and you just yeah. You, yeah. I mean, looking at it from outsider perspective, I mean. They're trying to help, but if they get you hooked on something else, then that's not good either. Right. You know. My 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 true philosophy is the the one thing that has always been there for me has been pro wrestling. Yeah. Like even as a you know, after after I was out, before I started training, you know, I didn't start training wrestling until I was thirty two years old. Yeah. You know, I'm forty eight now. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's like yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, you what well, you had me come over to your house. You had a table set up, and we were going to videotape me throwing you off of a car through the table to turn it in for WWE Tough Enough. Yep. And I don't remember why we didn't. What, if the camera wasn't working right, or I don't remember. Something came up, and we didn't, we didn't do the right. spot. Right, I... The, it had something to do with the camera, I'm sure. Or maybe we, maybe we thought better of it after we got it set up. I don't remember now. Oh, I still went through that table at some point. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm doing it. You know, and he went up to Harley School. You didn't have the money for the school, but you had the money for the tryout. Right. And went through the tryout and everything. And I asked him, I said, how, how was it? And I puked like twice in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> and next next two days, I couldn't eat. You know, you ever see the movie Here Comes the Boom? Yeah. Yeah. You don't like my wife's cooking? Like, I can't move my arms. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting here trying to pick up a fork going, mm-hmm. That's, um, the, they did a documentary on uh, Dragon, Ricky the Dragon, and he had talked about when he went to the school and how, I was like, going to school and, yeah, yeah, in Minnesota. And, like, for the longest time, it was just they never stepped foot in the ring. It was running, 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 calisthenics, conditioning, just right. run, run, run. They said they had a building that was, like, what, seven stories? You had mm-hmm. the fireman's carry your partner up to the top and back down to the bottom. Before, and and then, then they were you switched, and then they done the wheelbarrow up the and steps and down. And weeding everybody out before they ever stepped into the ring. Absolutely. You know. And... And that, that's that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to make me quit. Yeah. And me, I'm not a quitter. I, if I put my mind to something, if I want it, I'm going to figure out a way. Right. Like. But that was good back in the day. I mean, it's considered barbaric nowadays, you know. But it weeded out the, the wannabes, and you got the guys that really wanted to do it and understood the business then. That's you know that's when they they brought you in. 
They, uh, was when they figured out this stupid son of a bitch is coming back and getting his ass they, whooped every day. They they had a they had a hooker, you know, a a, a hooker is a uh, a guy that can shoot shoot yeah. wrestle and you know. Thanks for explaining that for me, babe. Yeah. <laughs> You're well, those, those are ring rats. <laughs> That's a whole entirely another subject. <laughs> On the next podcast. Run, run away. Run away. <laughs> well, he, he put a head crank on, you know, and he had it on pretty tight. And, you know, seized up the back of my neck. And I'm like, oh, this son of a bitch. So, you know, it was my turn to get out of the ring. So I got out of the ring and I'm down on the floor and I'm stretching my neck out and you know, he's a cocksucker. You know, he hurt me. Mm-hmm. And here comes old Grizzly Harley Race coming around the ringside. Hey, you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. My turn to get back in. And, you know, it was like, I wasn't going to back down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I just wasn't. Like, I'm this close from being part of this business. Right. You know, and, and I truly felt that way. But then, you know, of course, I, you know, I was working overnight at some Walmart and not making a whole lot of money at the time and, you know, the price of the school and, yeah. and everything else. And I was like, <sighs> you know, I, I was devastated. I couldn't afford to go. Devastated. But... Things work out the way they work out for for reasons. Mm-hmm. So, but I I can't complain about my career. You know I've you know I've I've been been champions for companies. Yeah. You know I've I get to travel. You know, my business partner and I mean I love this chick right here, man. <laughs> like I absolutely love her because. I'm in a better position now than I have ever been in my life. Mm. And I owe that to her. You know, she knows that, you know, we have in the industry what we call a bump card. You know, my, my bump card is almost full. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. you know, but. I still want to be part of this business. Right. And that's right. why we did the three PWA. That's why we, you know, like I'm, I'm hooked about it and I love it. And that's just, it keeps me out of trouble. Right. There's you know? a learning curve to it though, because now he's not one of the guys all the time right now. He's uh, the owner, booker, promoter. And mm-hmm. you know, so he, he, when I say leveled up, he did, he leveled up. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when you used to be one of the workers and now you're the manager or whatever, right. it's like, he, it's different dynamics. So there is part of that. That's, you know, it's, it's hard because in the wrestling business, I see it. There's that camaraderie, mm-hmm. you know, the guys being there for each other. And it's just, you know, that niche together and, when you step uh, up out of that and you start right. running your own short shows, it there's it changes stick, the dynamic. They kind of stick together despite the promoter or whoever you know maybe screwing them or whatever. You know, it's like, hey, right. well, John over there, he fucking sucks. Don't ever work for that motherfucker. You know? Right, right. Did he say John? <laughs> yeah. I was just throwing out a name there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, that was not towards. Uh, 
that time. <laughs> it could be, but it's not this time. If it was, I didn't know it. <laughs> Just a little bit of heat there. No, no big thing. <laughs> it'll it'll all come out in the wash. Mm-hmm. So, so you're you're wanting. You got your eye on your punch card, and you know it's coming up. Mm-hmm. But you're wanting to go out on top versus being pushed out, right? Right. Okay. I want to. I want to leave on my terms. Right. Okay. You know, I, when when I hang up my boots, I want to make sure I've done everything I've wanted to do. You know, did I ever get to wrestle for Impact? No. Uh, have I wrestled in Japan? No. But I'm running my own company. Right. Like, it don't get much better than that. Right. Like, if one of my guys don't show up, I have the ability to be like, okay... I can go out and bullshit through a match mm-hmm. and have, have the, the crowd more excited than what I actually booked. Right. You know, I can, I can always make something out right. of something out of mm-hmm. nothing. Right. And on the same subject, did, did you hear MJF's pipe bomb when he called Tony Khan a mark and told him to fire him? Earlier in that pipe bomb, he's talking about, I come out here and make you people feel like nobody else in this company, and I don't have to do the stupid shit to do it. Yep. Right. Exactly. You know? Like, it's it's all he's about... He's one of the better workers in that. I mean, as far as his promo, and he's a, he's a great fucking heel. <laughs> I don't know the guy, but I mean, just watching him, I he, just want to punch him. On, honestly, you know, that's what he's doing his job. <laughs> honestly, he reminds me a lot of the Miz. Mm. The Miz is so underrated. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Like when the Miz was first starting out, mm. he had a lot of botches. You know, go back watch botch mania. Like you could see, you know, just verbally. Uh, the uh, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> Well, it's like Roman Reigns when he was he was early on. He was cutting a promo with The Rock, and The Rock's or no, it was with Cena. And Cena's like, "Don't you remember your line, son?" Or something like that, right there on Monday Night Rock. Because <laughs> he was doing. The, I, 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 he said, "I'll give you a minute." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know when when you could do that in the crowd, and work the crowd, and then get back on task. That's how you improv. That's how you make it work. Yeah. You know. The uh, WrestleMania 30, Hogan came out, and they were in New Orleans, and he was kept calling it the Silverdome. Right. And then Stone Cold came out and was ribbing him, calling it the, the Silverdome. Right. And then The Rock comes out and starts in on ribbing Hogan at the same time, calling it the Silverdome. <laughs> then the crowd... Start calling it the Silver Dome, <laughs> and it's like because and and Hogan, I mean, he was promo, he was delivering WrestleMania one, WrestleMania thirty, da 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 da. And second time it came around, he's like the Super Dome, and then, then it was like, ah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, Stone Cold was right there out there, and you know to to hear that pop, that that crowd. 
you know. Yeah, I was watching a YouTube video the other day. <clears throat> Cornette talked about a match with the Rock and Roll and the Midnight Express or whatever. And I'm like, I wonder not. Just searched it and it was Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express. And it wasn't a fucking huge stadium, you know, but it was probably five, 6,000 people, but it's packed. Mm-hmm. Midnight come out, of course, tried to boon the shit out of them. But when the Rock and Roll Express's music hit, there's not a pop like that on WWE or AEW today. I mean, it was just people were throwing babies in the air. And, <laughs> you know. That's my, sweet. That's the boys that on location right now setting up the ring. Oh, all right, cool. For the ring rental today. Nice. I should be there wrestling. <laughs> but no, I had to come out here, you know. I love it. But get you out to our tens of fans. Hey, you know what? Tens better than one. Yes. Of course, and when you tell all you people out there that you're on this podcast and have a watch, maybe they'll listen to more of us. Hell yeah. Uh you gave them a couple business cards last yep. night? Yep. Okay. Sure did. We um there's oh. something I haven't talked. Haven't, uh, you, you've been a face. You've been a heel. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Mm. Well, I love being a bad guy. Yeah. You know, like there, there's some shows where you just you got to be a bad guy. You know, in everyday life, you got choices to make. Mm-hmm. Right. So if for that 10 minutes, I could go out and be somebody that I want to be. Right. But you can't in general public public because you go to jail. Exactly. Right. Right. (laughs) So, you know, it's like there's there's that aspect of it. You know, um, I love being a good guy because, you know, we were talking about the fans earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get that little kid that comes up. Shakes your hand mm-hmm. right. and you know, smile ear to ear. I love that, right? Yeah, because it still breaks my heart when you're a heel and the little kid wants to shake your hand. You're like, you know, <laughs> get out of here, whatever. And I'm over here, like, what the hell? I'm a little kid. Like, <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, man. About two months ago, I wrestled in San Bernardino and <laughs> little kid in the front row, you know, got his mom, got, you know, his dad sitting there, brother sitting in the other chair. And I just turned, you know, they're mouthing us because we're being, we're being the heels. And I just shut your, I pointed right, shut your mouth. Don't make me get it out of this ring. I'll come down there. I'll give you a fresh one. Kid just. It's this look on his face and starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, here I'm like, oh, God. Inside. <laughs> you know, I'm like a duck in the water going, oh, shit, I just made this fucking kid cry. You know, I'm like, I almost wanted to laugh. Like, fuck, dude, I feel so bad. Fuck, I gotta be a big guy. Suck that shit up. Don't break character. Somebody kick me in the nuts. Quick, hurry. <laughs> so. And then, you know, I walk around over by my partner. I'm like, dude, look at that kid. I made him cry, man. <laughs> oh, shit, you did. Look at 
Referee comes up, starts, you're an asshole. (laughs) 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 Fuck you. (laughs) Um, How about guys who don't like to be a heel or can't pull it off? That's that's one thing on Flair's podcast. He was talking about Ricky Steamboat. There was no way Ricky Steamboat was ever going to be a heel. Right. Is first I love being a heel. He said, "He said because I didn't have the move set to be a face." <laughs> he said, "I just did, and I could piss people off." <laughs> the the closest the dragon ever came was after uh, Jake DDT'd him on the concrete. Uh, you know the dropping him on the um, the fence post and actually you know crushing his windpipe and everything, mm-hmm. but he actually did. Like straight up full blown DDT on the concrete, and Dragon was pissed about it, and it, it was like Jake's getting his receipt, and fucking Dragon lit him. Up. It was later on, but Dragon fucking lit him up. But the Dragon was always a baby face, no matter what promotion. The dude was always a baby face. Like it, it it's the look now. Yeah. Take take Jimmy Snooker for example. Snooker could have played heel. Mm-hmm. But. In fact, what I, you know, talk about guys I've seen before they made it, Jimmy Snooker was one of them. And he was actually a heel in the Tri-States territory. Yeah. And it came down, they had a match one week. It was Jimmy Snooker versus Paul Jones. But he was still wrestling. Hell of a fucking match. And Paul Jones beat him, and he got to face Flair the next week was coming through as NWA champion. Right. You know, but Snooker was the heel. But then in WWE, he was babyface. And, well, but he had that look that, I mean. For a, for a long time, he was like Vince Sr.'s super baby. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had Bruno, right? Mm-hmm. But who was the number two baby? Right. It was Snooker. Yeah. So he... What do you do? Mm-hmm. So when, you know, Snooker, he has that character where he can turn it down to where it's, and start doing the crazy tropical yeah, you know, Islander gimmick, you know? <clears throat> it didn't make a whole lot of sense when he did it. Right. But he could still do it. Right. You know, you get people like um, Rikishi. Mm-hmm. Real life standoffish prick, like <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you know you can't approach him, right? Mm-hmm. You know you could tell who you can approach, who you can't, and right. he's one of those guys that he's not just gonna give you advice. He's not just gonna like I can't, whatever. yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, the time you kid, that dude will sit there. and but uh, let me tell you, okay, this is how you do this. Night and day. Mm-hmm. Twin brothers. Yeah. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> like, what What happened to these guys to be so different? Right. Maybe that's just it. They're twins, and they wanted to be different. So they decided to do the whole good, evil Yin and yang, if you will. 
Or maybe genetics, you know? Yeah. Like the movie Twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the crap left over? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I've been to Hawaii and I've, I've seen uh, real life Samoans. <laughs> They're not crap left over. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, uh, go ahead and plug your show again. October fifteenth, trick or get beat. The American Legion Post seventy two in Anaheim, California. Uh, what time does the show start? Show starts at seven. Doors will be at six. Six thirty. Six thirty. And, you know, it's a smaller venue. You may have to find parking somewhere and, and walk in, but it's going to be a fun show. And you never know who's going to show up at this show. That's right. I heard that the commissioner might be there. So, Ooh. Ooh. so we'll see what happens. See, Tony Ray, since he's been in trouble, he's been causing all sorts of Mischief and mayhem. Mayhem. So we'll, yeah, it's gonna be something else. Uh, do you guys have a website? We don't right now. Okay. It's under construction. So definitely Facebook page. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. You know, even Eventbrite, man. What, we we put everything on there. What's the What's the handle? Uh, three PW Alliance. Three PW Alliance, and that's Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, and Eventbrite. You guys got any TikToks going on? I mean, is that? Uh... We have a TikTok page, <laughs> but man, I need to like hire like a twenty-year-old. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'd rather get hit with a steel chair than be on social media. Like, yeah. Well, on behalf of myself, I would like to thank you guys both for being yes. here, doing this. Uh, anytime you guys are in the area, you're always welcome. Anytime you want to call, we will definitely put you on. Right on. But you guys have just heard another episode of Stuham Productions Presents. J&M, Solve the World. After, After Dark. I have been James. And I have been Matt. And until next time, keep one fist in the gold, one foot in the gutter, and we will be seeing you.